Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever or whoever you may be. I am Alan Arante, and this is The Recluse Podcast. Today's guest is Andrew Martinez. He served in the Vietnam War at the age of 18. He deployed in March 1972 and returned home in February 1973. He was a radar man. Andrew would sit at the radar and listen. He would call in the coordinates of any enemy movement he could detect, and those points in space would receive hellfire. Andrew and his men, which were very few, they were sitting ducks if they couldn't find the enemy before the enemy found them. He remembers vividly that terrible aloneness. It was a terrible mortal vulnerability. I first met Andrew about five years ago. I was finishing up my bachelor's degree at Channel Islands, and for a capstone project, I had to interview a Vietnam War veteran. My professor for that class was a veteran himself, and I could tell that after all the years that had passed, his experience in Vietnam still cut him very deeply. I recall the professor sitting in the corner with tears rolling down his face. I, I actually had two classes with this professor, so this group was presenting a project for a class totally unrelated to Vietnam, and this man was sitting in the corner just crying. He clearly couldn't shake the memories of, the, of those terrors. For my capstone, I was paired with Andrew Martinez, and over the course of the semester, I interviewed him, and I got to know him. I wrote a report on him, and at the end of the semester, I read it aloud to my peers and to all the veterans involved. I remember that morning clearly. I showed up to the library with an unfinished trifold board. I had just met with Andrew that morning to gather pictures for my board. I was rushing to finish it, and I walk into the room, and it seemed as though everybody was waiting for me. I was the last one to show up because we started as soon as I showed up. I remember seeing the other trifold boards, and they were impressive. They were filled with great, perfectly placed photos of their veterans, and mine was weak, with photos printed on copy paper, with tape on the back. I knew I had really met the man, however. I wasn't there to show how much I could dazzle a trifold board. I was there to represent a man who suffered in Vietnam. I was there to call attention to the societal viciousness that burrows into the hearts of young men when they are made to fight in war. After the presentation, the days went by, and I gradually lost contact with Andrew. For the next five years, my eye was caught by every orange Dodge Challenger I saw, because that was the car he had. I looked for some sign of it being his. I felt that our work together had yet to be resolved. There was more to say and more to do. A couple months ago, near my house, I saw a Dodge Challenger parked. There was a veteran sticker on the back. I wrote a note and left my number. I slipped it through the cracked window, and he reached out a couple days later. It was him. I finally found Andrew Martinez. We met up, and he told me a story one more time. Although I tried to ask questions during the first half of the session, I quickly realized that this was not the appropriate time to ask questions. The man lived this tale, and all he desired was to tell it. These recordings and this conversation isn't about whether war is good or bad. This is simply a telling of one man's experience in a foreign land, a land in which he was forced to kill or be killed. 
so with the utmost respect and sensitivity, this is a portrait of Andrew Martinez. That's strange, really strange. Anyway, uh, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Okay, well, at first uh, I went to basic training in Fort Ord, California. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was about October 13th, I think, is when I got there. It wasn't a Friday, I don't believe. Uh, And finished my basic training there before, uh, right on through the Christmas holidays. And is that what boot camp is? It is boot camp, yes. Okay. We call it basic training. Others may call it something else. Mm -hmm. And right from there, I should want to back up a little bit. My draft number was eight. Mm-hmm. I was born in August, and uh, I said, well, they're going to take me in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to go and sign up. Wow, no kidding. So yes. you didn't even want, you you just figured, I I just was, bite I mean, the bullet. I was going to be a regular Army guy, so actually I went into, uh, they call it RA. I went to the Marines, uh, and they go, hey, you send people to Vietnam? Oh, no, we don't think so. No, we're not sending people to Vietnam. Are you sure? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I want to go to Vietnam, so went next door. The Army recruiting station was there. I said, you sending people to Vietnam? He goes, not really. I go, I want to go. I said, they killed three of my family members. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there and pay them back for what they did to my family. The guy looks at me. He goes, well, if you want to be a military intelligence radar guy, I'll go take it. and Give me a test. They gave me a test. I apparently did well. They sent me to Fort Huachuca, Arizona. The School of Military Intelligence, intelligence had just moved there in August of 71. I think I was the fourth class. Some of my team members were ahead of me in their class at the Fort Huachuca. So we came out of there. And I was a uh, combat surveillance and target acquisition repair man. Mm. Or that means I was going to be out in the field. If something happened, I was to be able to wow. diagnose, diagnose and figure out what part is wrong. You know, yeah, guaranteed you'd be on the field, oh, right? Oh, definitely. They said, you're going, boy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, um, that was from like January 3rd to like March 7th. And I got my orders. Five of us got orders to go to Vietnam. And the others went to Germany. And we were supposed to go, I think, two-week vacations like that. So right around the 20, 21st, something like that, somewhere around there, I, we went. my mom and dad took me up to Travis Air Force Base in California. And there's supposed to be five of us, and only two of us showed up. So I go, wow. Okay, I guess two of us, both, both of us going in. So I'm waiting there for that plane to get in the, in the plane, get on the plane. And uh, this, uh, this sergeant or whatever comes up and goes, who's, uh, who's this person who thinks about this guy? It wasn't me. The other guy says, oh, yours has been changed. You're going to journey. You're going to Germany. I'm going to Vietnam. <laughs> but the other guys were, there was a couple guys that were had brown skin too, so it's, it wasn't prejudice like that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think that way back then. I don't know why. Anyway, so uh, my mom and, and had lost her, her brother over there. Wow. I Your had, uncle. Uh, I, yeah, my uncle. I had come home from uh, high school like when I was in 10th grade. Just wow. Lunch, and I never did that. You know, I never, I never, so I just happened to go there. And my mom was crying on the phone. And she told me, oh, my brother's been killed. He died on February 25th, 1971, I believe. And uh, I said, those sons of bitches. I'm going to go to Vietnam and kill me motherfuckers. Pay them back. Yeah. That was a bad thing to think that way because I was an altar boy and I was raised Catholic. Mm. So I was pretty much religious. So when I went to the Army, uh, so they sent me to, boy, I take careful what you ask for. I came out of Fort Huachuca, Arizona, and uh, I, was at, I had security clearance. Mm-hmm. And I was... I guess I did pretty well in the exams and everything else like that. Um, but you know what? After after the research, after all this in Vietnam, I researched things, and I was handpicked to go to Vietnam. It wasn't fluke. It wasn't because I was brown. It was I was handpicked. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. I got in the plane, and we flew out to 
We flew out to uh, Janu, well, I think it was Janu, Alaska, and we reload, refueled there in Osaka and then in down to Vietnam. To, I landed, wow. I landed in Binwak, and it was in the southern part of uh, Vietnam, close to Saigon. And then we got in trucks there. And when we landed there, you know, the first 60 guys were given, uh, um, they had a test to do when they were debarked from the plane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so now I'm coming out there, but the 80s guy, whatever, I wasn't the first 60 guys. I looked down and I go, what's all those black bags for? Because I was naive as hell. No kidding. A oh, yeah. bunch of these guys putting all these dead bodies in the cargo plane. Oh. And there was a lot of them. And, you know, 60 guys putting all this stuff. So I'm going, Ooh. and I remember saying this to myself, oh, I guess I'm not in Kansas anymore. We've got oh, weapons. Shit. It stinks out here. And, and, and there's gunfire and artillery fire off in the distance. No kidding. And I'm going, oh, oh. <laughs> here I am. You know, it's, uh, I'm 18 years old. And it didn't happen. Here I am in Vietnam. So That's a kid. I mean, I've, oh, I have yeah, need- yeah, I see kids now in high school. They go, you're dead. You're dead. Yeah. You make it. You're, you're dead. You're all dead. You know, I go, yeah, yeah I, I don't know how. I mean, I, for the grace of God, because uh, before I got on the plane, I told my mom, mom, she's crying. I go, mom, mm-hmm. don't you cry. So I'll come back alive in one piece. No, they can't kill me. You understand me, mom? They're not going to kill me. You understand me? I'm going there to pay them back for what they did to Uncle Johnny. She's, of course, they don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did it, though. So I had a task to survive Vietnam. Oh, God, but they put us in the most horrible place in the world. No one in that war, not to anybody who talks to me, no one did what we did. No one. Anyway, I'll get to that. So we landed in Binwa. I drove in the back, I think, two and a half deuce, uh, to Long Bin, where we were processed. Mm-hmm. And we were there a couple of days or whatever. Um, and then they took us into this big quantum, kind of like an airport hangar type. Mm-hmm. Uh, long tables. I mean, tables just, you know, quite a row of tables. And, and maybe like 100, 200 guys in one, you know, one row of guys on one side and they're just sitting there. And the sergeant up the end goes, When I call it your MOS, which is military, occupational, specialty, mm-hmm. put raise your hand. Oh, those guys are raising their hands and they call out my MOS. So I raise my hand. The guy next to me goes, Put your hand down, son. I don't know who he was, but definitely knew that they handpicked me. Because I go, Well, he goes, Put your hand down. So I, I did nothing. And, and so everyone had left. And so you two get up here. We go up there to the front. And he asked me, What's your MOS? And I told me, I called you. And he goes, the guy that told me to put my hand down goes, stop right there, Sergeant. He's going with me to the dang. Wow. And the guy, the Sergeant looked at him and he goes, uh, you're going with him to the dang. So <laughs> it kind of tells you it's way at the top. The dang. Yeah, the dang, yeah. Here, point to it, please. Sure. Right there. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's just, yeah, right there. Okay. So we got the dang here. And that's, uh, am I wrong or is it close to the DMZ? Uh, it's about 90 miles. Okay. You know, yeah, about 90 miles or so. Anyway, um, my orders have, had been processed because I was supposed to go somewhere else. So they, they somebody picked me up, and they, they sent me to this unit called, uh, I think it was the 528 LEM, Light Electronic Maintenance. I'm like, what the hell is that? They were a group that did avionics work. Mm. I was with for about two weeks. I pulled guard duty mostly, and I learned how to throw a knife. And I mean, I was deadly with a knife. Mm. It's easy to throw a knife at an inanimate object, but... Mm-hmm. When you try to kill someone with it, it's a call completely different. Not the same, yeah. Not if you never, you're not used to doing that or were trained to do that as well. So uh, we lived for about two weeks, and then the the, uh, the unit standing down. I'm going home. You know, in two weeks, thirty days. I'm going. I'm going home. Okay, I survived Vietnam. So we and we're in formation out there, and they call out. Uh, they call out my name, and this other guy, this guy named Woody. Uh, maybe that was not his real name. I don't know, but he was from Boston. We spoke funny. <laughs> So do I, apparently. Um, they go, no, you guys are going to the 196. This is a unit right here. Yeah. Uh, Light Infantry Brigade, America Division. And then, uh, so, just get your stuff. And, and somebody picked this up. I don't remember how exactly. Oh, it was something, I guess, in a Jeep. 
and I went to that 186. They had a uh, it's on this side of the Nang Airport Air, Air Base. I'm sorry, I'll try to slow down here. No, you're good. Uh, and I remember the uh, lieutenant going, go in that uh, supply place and because I had a white t-shirt. Get rid of the white t-shirt. You're nothing but white. Forget your green t-shirt. So I went, I got on the base, walked over this, um, this little nigga goes, white t-shirt, give me 20. <laughs> I just, so I had to do 20 push-ups. And I went in, they gave me some of my shirts and stuff like that. <laughs> Blouse my boots and stuff. And they said, uh, and my boonie hat. And I came out of there and I said, where did I change that? He goes, right there. <laughs> out in the open. So there's these ladies walking by. I don't care. Get dressed right now. I'm getting some order. <laughs> so there's a little 17 year old 15 year old girl and here I'm only 18 years old naked <laughs> putting on the clothes all the green stuff and I'm embarrassing I'm going oh yeah. man this girl but they're like and they're like, put their hands to their mouth and kind of hee and everything oh great and right, is so. this still day one or is oh, this the no this is uh, about um, oh I guess because that's two weeks at the other place oh yeah that's right so maybe right. almost I don't know 20 days I don't know something yeah. 18 days whatever and I and um, then I, they go, okay, come with us. And got, I got in a helicopter, and I never came back. They sent me out to the field. I was at 327, which wow. I can show you. It's right it's by Da Nang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you said you'd never uh, – that was the first and last time you saw Da Nang? No, no, I came back for other things. I'll get to that point. But, yeah, there's a hill about – da, da Nang is about maybe 15 miles southwest, which was yeah. where I learned this new ra- – where this new experimental radar. Yeah. It was uh, – I guess in the past they had been using a – ANTPS 25 or something like that. I, I, that's what I learned on in, in, in uh, Arizona, but this supposedly was a ANTPS 58. It was a new experimental, experimental radar that uh, was being tested in the field. Not funded by the military. It was funded by the CIA. Wow. So they, they get funding. I found this all later on, but they get funding to use these, these equipment, whatever it might be, in the field first, and then if it's good, then they sell it to the military to buy it, right? So you got to test yeah. it. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I told you earlier that we're, we were an experiment. Uh, this guy named Jimmy Page, I remember his name because he's <laughs> same as a guitarist. Yeah. He taught me how to use that radar and just to operate it. And from there, I became the number one radar operator of the whole team, you know, all the teams, I guess. Uh, maybe, I'm sure there was just as good, probably. But they, I went to another level. Um, I was pretty good. I found what we called targets. We saw people that were out there and the bad guys. Right. We call them targets. And when, uh, one morning, Woody was up up in that tower. I'll show you that tower in that, in that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was up in the tower. Yeah, yeah. We had a star scope on there. And so I, I was about a quarter to six in the morning. I could see the air base in the distance. And, and hey, called on the fire mission. Hey, Woody, check it out. Let's get these coordinates. So he could see 25 miles. I, I could see 20 miles. We could see 25. Mm-hmm. We saw three guys getting ready to set up. Maybe some, he's on column rockets. I'm not familiar with that kind of artillery piece. Could have been rockets and mortars. I don't know what they were. I have no idea. Yeah. But they're setting up and they're the bad guys. So I called the mission and it's quarter to six and they denied my mission. I called right back. You, shoot, you fire this mission right now. I'm not telling you. Know, I, I was angry. Um, they denied my mission. And Woody and I sat there in that tower and those rockets or mortar. Mortars went off, and yeah. I think they killed nine guys because the guys were lining up to go to mess hall right. in formation, and they wounded a hell of a lot more. I don't know what that was, and I was angry. Well, I was so angry. Uh, they told you to fire that mission, you know. I was like, well, we thought there were civilians. I had a visual. I was so angry. But that was an important day for me because I decided that day that I was going to hunt men and kill them before they could kill our guys. Mm. That's not a way to think, right? But if you want to win a war, you got to hunt people down and – uh and that's what we did. That was our that's our whole thing. We hunted yeah. people down, found them, and killed them. 
See, I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, we talked about this previously about how civilians just don't understand. They don't. Like, you're telling me that, and I, you know, because I, I haven't experienced it, I, I don't know what that, that you know, ve- vengeance feels like to say, you know, my men were killed, yeah. and now I'm going to go out there and do the same thing. I know it's wrong to think that way, but when you're in war, it's either you or them. So rather than wait for them to shoot at me or fire anything at me, I'll find you first and kill you. And that was the, that was the attitude that I had. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so I started hunting targets and finding them. And, and if you were in the bad, you were in the wrong area at the wrong time, you're going to die. I don't care if you're innocent or not, you're going to die. And that's kind of a too bad because I'm sure I killed a lot of innocent people that were just trying to do whatever. I don't know. I, I can't be for sure. Yeah. Anyway, uh, one night it was about uh, the, I think the uh, infantry was sent home around the 28th of June or something like that. So uh, we, I was, this was, so that's when I went home and left the Vietnam. But before that, around, I don't know, probably the 10th or so of June or something like that, the unit, a couple of platoons had gone out to the field south of Da Nang, I mean, uh, west of Da Nang, and it was raining. It was monsoon season. Mm. It was raining down hard. So yeah. I get a call. Someone's going to go to the bunker because you can't go into our bunker. I have a, I have a 45. I'll kill you. <laughs> I don't care who it is. I'll kill you because you can't. I didn't that you know. I know you're coming. And so I let him in. It was the colonel that, that ran mm. that was above, uh, you know, I guess the officer in charge, whatever. And he goes, hey, we have into We had a, I'll show you in there. There's a, our radar had a, like a, like, you know what a plotter board or a plotter is? Like when you is print it that? Over? This was a, like a flat table and it had a, had our topographic map mm-hmm. in the area. And then yeah, they yeah. had a bar that would go across and the pin that, oops, I'm sorry, okay. the pin that would look. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It was kind of, uh, they still use plotters that way, kind of, sort of. It's been modified, of course. And so, uh, anyway, the uh, and the screen was completely. It was, you remember see the Doppler radar when you see the weather channel? Yeah, yeah. And if it's green, real green, and mm-hmm. darker green, that's what my screen looked like. And so the colonel goes, "Hey, we have intel over here that there's some enemies coming in this area." And I go, "Sorry, I can't see anything." And the, free, the screen's green. Goes, they told me you're the best, we, the best <laughs> man in uh, in this unit, and that pissed me off. Which that yeah. was his motivation, right? I put my headsets on and I listen. Raindrops is what I told them later on too. Raindrops and people walking. <laughs> Sound almost exactly like just a right. slight difference, and so I'm just going. I'm listening. I'm listening. And the the thing, uh, the, the radar scanning, and I pick up something slightly different. I go, sir, I got something different. I can't be sure. Push that button because we could push this button with the pin and the bar would go across and, and locate right where there was. That's where they, they had intel that the enemy's going to be. Yeah. Now, if I didn't stop those guys, they would kill those boys. The, the platoon. The, the wow. They would because they were going to attack them and kill them. So I just. Uh, God help me, and, and or something. It was just luck. Or, I don't know. You know, it was just because it was. That's a near impossibility. That catapult, catapulted me way up on the scale of saving. Yeah, well, How, and, go ahead. And, or it's interesting because this time, you know, they almost didn't listen again. But you actually s- still you got to save your men this well, time. Well, my, my colonel was there. I mean, he goes, "Hey, we got it. He's right where they're supposed to be." So yeah, actually, and I'll take it to that point. And so, um, you know, they, I, I I just called the target in. Yeah. Uh, about the next day or so, uh, I get my warrant officer and myself get called down from the back into the 186. Uh, to just, it was like a jury. I mean, yet generals on one side, the CIA on this side, and they're all sitting there and they're going, "Tell us what happens." I told them what I told you right now. Yeah. And uh, the CIA guys, the electronic contractors, <laughs> they uh, they go, "How'd you do that?" He goes, "I just told it was a little different, so I picked it up." He goes, and they're smiling. Because their radar's working good. Oh, right. And, of course, I did a damn good job. <laughs> and now, now my name is known. They know who I am. Mm-hmm. But they, and so we, 
that's when I found it. So anyway, and, and then the, the warrant officer, myself, Mr. Warren, being myself, got back on the helicopter, and that's when I found out that I didn't understand physics at the time, but I have studied it. Mm-hmm. That aluminum, rubber boots, and water do not mix. Mm. We got in the helicopter. We flew up. And we're about half a mile up and going towards our, our hill, Hill 327. And there's no doors in the sides. So yeah, yeah. Just like a transport. Of, and this pilot makes a, like a banking left turn, and I'm on that <laughs> side. And I go out the door. I, my yeah. feet were hanging. I, I grab my warrant officer <laughs> with my right hand, and I'm digging in his body, and I'm telling him, Mr. Orange, don't you dare let go. He's hanging on my feet with one hand. And he's trying to tell the pilot, straighten up, so we're going out the door. This, we can't see. There's you, no friction. Your feet are uh, out, yeah, the door. out the door. I'm, I'm at the door. I'm hanging them. And if he lets go, I go, Mr. Orange, you let go. We're going to fall down, but I'm going to hang out to you. You're going to hit the ground. I'm going to be on top of you, and I'll wake up two legs later, and you're dead. I mean, I was not going to die. I was not going to die. I told my mom, I was not going to die, and I had a plan. <laughs> yeah. And I don't care if it worked out. That's what I was going for. And so the pilot straightened out, and uh, I put him back in. I put my 45 out, and I'm going to kill the pilot. <laughs> I'm authorized to do that. Was your oh, weapon yeah. in your hand? No, I'm, no, no. I pulled it out. Oh, I, I, no, no. I, but when we straightened out, I got back in the helicopter. I put my 45 out, and I go, I'm going to kill this pilot. Mr. Mr. goes, no, no, he's flying the bird. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm scared. I mean, I mean, I was hanging out the damn bird, you know. Yeah. Oh, God, it was bad. <sighs> I was scared of Can you still take yourself back to oh, that very yeah. moment? I used to, for many years, I couldn't even climb a ladder 10 feet. I'd be shaking. Wow, like this. no kidding. Fuck okay, yeah, it was scary as shit, man. Sorry about the language. <laughs> um, but so he calls down to the hill. Hey, when we land, you have two guys grab in because you're going to kill the pilot. And so I land, pull my 45 out, and they're grabbing me, let go. <laughs> I'm going to kill that pilot. Mr. Robin told him, get the hell out of here. He's going to kill you. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, that's what this, and so um, that event, that event catapulted me to the number one radar guy in, the, in our team mm-hmm. that I know of. Uh, I'm sure there's others before me that were just as good or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I decided, I decided, you know, but, and, now, and then, so right about that time, the Easter Offensive started like the end of uh, March. You know what that is? Easter Offensive. I, I've heard of it. And that's right when you landed yeah, pretty, pretty much, much right? Yeah, pretty much. They were coming down from North Vietnam in tanks, artillery, men, jeeps, and lots of men, lots of, you know, a lot of others coming up, kicking ass. They, they overtook uh, Quantry. We had a radar site up in High Lang. Yeah, yeah. And they never, I don't think they ever really set up because everybody got, they were all being yeah. overrun. The Marines were up there. And uh, then, then the South Vietnamese Marines and the Rangers and stuff like that. And they were, I mean, matter of fact, I talked to one Marine. He said, uh, yeah, he says, yeah, th- we're headed at Chinooks down. You know what Chinook is? It's a longer type of transport. transportation. Oh, of, of, uh, yeah. Actually, is that what's down down there? Can you see that? Is that that lower area? Is that what you're talking about? Or no? No, Chinook is a uh, helicopter. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. It's, a, it's, no, sorry. Oh, okay. it's, a, it's a helicopter that some kind of transports men or maybe maybe tanks or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Bigger ones, Jim Tank. Anyway. Uh, as they're landing to have the, the Marines get on on board, and they have uh, some of the South Vietnamese who have you. If you had your weapon, if you had your weapon, you can go. If you didn't, they threw you off. Get the hell out of here. You're coward. You're no not gonna fight. kidding. You're not going to fight. Get the hell out of here. You better go fight a weapon. So guys, guys no don't know. Yeah, they're running. And I because what does it mean? So, like, can you explain for us, like, a man without a weapon, what does that represent? No, you know, I, I think they just took it at that time that uh, you were a coward. You are running. Yeah. Uh, you better have your weapon if you run. I said, you can retreat. It's okay. But if you have your weapon and you run, you're going to, mm, no, 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 you don't do that. It's part of your discipline training. Uh, anyways, that's what they, I, I recall reading that. I didn't, I didn't see that myself. Hmm. Um, in the war that we're not in, that's in the book. Yeah. And he describes that. And I'm going, oh, I can understand that. So even our radar guys, uh, I did find out, I was in Houston this last uh, 
April and we had a reunion and I met this guy named White Walker and he was there during that time when they, that event happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just trying to tie that together. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this the, uh, they liken that battle, the East Offensive, to the Battle of the Bulge, mm. where the tanks and men were just coming to get refuel for gas, and then they would have won the war had they done that. Yeah. And those guys that were there stopped that. Didn't give them the gas. They blew it all up or do whatever they did. Yeah. I think you could say that's kind of like the radar guys. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, uh, they shipped in. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's important. It's very important because, yeah. you know, they're, we stand, I'll show you, I'll get to that point. So here now, these guys are fighting and they're working their way down. Uh, down to uh, Way, mm-hmm. and uh, that's you know from '68 where they had, they took yeah, yeah, no. and that's pretty high up there. That's cl- oh yeah, even closer. That's to the- probably uh, from the DMZ. Probably that was about 40 miles from maybe 60 miles from. So probably 70 miles or something like that maybe mm-hmm. from the DMZ. Somebody, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. Um, so there, I mean, these guys. I mean, I'm coming across this open space, the Ishaw Valley, which is uh, it's a well known area. It's just and when I was there. The valley was pretty much denuded from vegetation, so you could see. And so here's these tanks, and man, they're coming down. They're they're, they're trying to hold these guys up. Yeah, the, the NBA and the Vietcon, they're just running over everybody. They're just kicking ass. Now we get back to uh, about the middle of June, maybe the twenty twenty second of June. Yeah, and that's seventy two still. Your first. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, it's seventy two. Yeah, June seventy two. Yeah, this is kind of I'm bouncing before to describe the event. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And um. Well, Andrew just did something really fantastic up on 337. So let's send Andrew up to Camp Evans and see what he can do there. Oh, my God. It was horrible. It's a tower in the middle of this valley. And everybody can see that tower. And everybody's wow. trying to kill you. And your job is to not let them kill you and kill them first. That's what my friend Billy Lundy, who uh, mm. when I visited him a while back. Andrew, Camp Evans is the worst. Camp Evans, I go, Billy, I know. Camp Evans, I go, yeah. Billy, you, you live in the middle of 280 acres. You're doing the same <laughs> damn thing. And he stays there at his house. He won't not leave. He can't. He won't leave. Really? Oh, it's so sad. I go. Oh, Billy, you gotta go. He's going. Can't. He's just anyway. Uh, and I don't know who else was. There. I can't. Oh, Sergeant Huff and Mister Ornsby were mm-hmm. sent up there too. My warrant officer. So at first I go. Are they punishing me? Yeah. <laughs> I did, they're setting us up to the worst place in the world. Uh, but no, it was more because we were damn good at what we did. I mean, it the, turned out. It's ironic. The better you did, the more accomplished you were. Oh. The more dangerous the oh. areas you oh. were. Well, I'm gonna get to that. Oh, I'm gonna get to that. All right. So I'm up there in about the 20th of uh, June, and the counteroffensive by the their uh, by the Vietnamese and and the American advisor, Marine advisors came up with a plan to start pushing them back. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but wait a minute. That's just like the 28th. Wait. There's like a week before you guys show. Up. They're coming at me, and I'm not. I'm killing. I worked every night. I said I don't trust. Wow. Anybody. I don't trust anybody. I worked almost. I mean, the guys did too, but most of the time I worked the late shift from 12 midnight night. to six in the morning. That's when all the action was at. So, and I. I mean, I was taking tanks out. Tanks, jeeps, artillery, men, men, more men, and more men. One night around, I don't know, maybe the 25th or something like that, or June, I don't recall, 72, mm-hmm. I let my radar go all the way around. And I'm just, we're kind of not, not too far from the coast, Camp Evans. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a mile or two. I, I'm not sure. So the battleships are off coast, offshore mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, South China Sea. Slow down, Andrew. And I let my radar swing all the way in 360. Well, you shouldn't do that because battle stations... You got somebody just pinged their ships, and they're going to battle stations. And so I get this call. Oh. Yeah, you know, you, we weren't supposed to do that, but I let it go because I was fucking scared, man. <laughs> Shit, I was scared. It was so, so bad. I mean, I'm killing everybody. I'm, they're, just, yeah. they're, they're trying to kill me. I'm not going to let them do that. I have to go home because I promised my mom. I was coming go. And, and you're, go you're saying when you go 360, I'm imagining a circular radar Yeah, yeah, yeah. around. The antenna was all around. And so yeah, it, yeah. it pinged the, the battleship. Oh, yes. 
And so they go to battle stations. I mean, they're doing all the kinds of stuff, and they're ready to do whatever. So who's who ping this? The uh, officer, uh, what, I guess it would call the fleet fleet officer. I get a call. You know, this, you know the nomenclature, I forget now, you know, Tango, Charlie, whatever, whatever I forget. Yeah. And um, he goes, did you just ping my ships? And goes, yes, sir, I did. Why'd you do that? I'll make sure you're still there. Because <laughs> I'm fucking scared, you know? And he goes, we're not going to where son. I go, sir, please, please don't leave me there. Fuck. Ah, fuck, it's yeah. bad. I said, please don't leave me here. He goes, son, we won't leave you there. Thank you. Took my soul out of my body and went back to killing. Yeah. I killed a lot of motherfuckers. That was scary as shit. No one protected us. We had no protection. Just four guys there. And we're, yeah. we're not down in the hole and, and the sergeant. And there's no no perimeter guards. It was just, yeah. I'll show you pictures, but I could drop pictures. It was just you stuff. you guys. I mean, you didn't have. Yeah, we didn't have, no, no, nobody watching perimeter. It was like the size of, I don't know, like, I don't know what you're saying. It, it was like half that, like the CBS up here. Uh-huh. And not only on this, I just have this. That's about our area. We had I, three three wooden above foundation buildings. The underground bunker, our tower, which you can see from everywhere. Yeah. And then our radar bunker, and then the generators. And you're afraid yeah. because you're saying, I mean, 10 guys with, you know, assault rifles show up. Oh, and anybody. It's going to be a... I mean, we had sniper fire, and we had artillery fire, mortar fire. Oh, shit, no one was guarding you, us. You just felt during alone. The day, that's during the day. At night, there's tanks and everything. Jeep, artillery, always, everybody's coming in. Yeah. And our job is to kill them first. Fuck, it was scary. Fuck. Yeah. They, they said they wouldn't, leave, they wouldn't leave my body there. <laughs> my body <laughs> picked me up alive, you know. Yeah. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. About six days later, or so four days, five days. Yeah. Later, um, the the uh, I think on the twentieth of June, seventy two, the uh, they they had they came up with the strategy and the counter offensive. Now they're, now they're they're stopping these guys. Well, during the day the air force stopped them because you got out there. But at night, who works at night? We do. Yeah. Nobody else. Everybody's staying where they go. Matter of fact, any Vietnamese group. Oh, this is what I found later on. Any Vietnamese. Soldiers are out there at, at uh, during the day. They're out there, but at night they all go home. Yeah, because they can't be out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. What do you mean you going home? <laughs> this is your land. You go home. So that, we were by ourselves. There was nobody else out there. Yeah, nobody else. No perimeter guards. No infantry guys. Nobody. Just us in the middle of this Dan Ashaw Valley. Mm-hmm. And fuck, uh, it was. I mean, it's our job to kill them first. Yeah. And and I was a guy who was hunting, so I would hunt them. I would. I would shoot. They, I'd see a jeep going, or I'd hear a jeep or somewhere a, a tank going, you know, somewhere. And then I'd, I'd look on the map and I shoot it. I shoot it because you know maybe going thirty miles. So I shoot yeah, yeah. at them. And I, and by the time the rounds came in, I was locked down back where they were at. Yeah. So they stopped because they saw, hey, they shoot over here. They missed us. No, we didn't. I got your number when the navy would take them out. So oh, I was yeah. hunting those boys. I was killing them all. And so and so the radar system. It's a visual. There's a visual component. It's like it's like, it like the, the, the old uh, um, screens. That mm-hmm. I have. I think I have a picture in my in my other book. You'll see it. And you have. You also have the headphones. Yeah. Right. So so how is it picking up sound? Really, you could. I could tell a jeep or a tank or <laughs> or and not. I wasn't this good, but I'll tell you, I'll lie to you right now. I could tell if it was a woman or a man. Yeah, because women rub right there. Men mm-hmm. don't. And I go. Oh, I think it's a woman. Just and I just because I could find out that someone got killed. It was yeah. a woman. So that's how I picked, they learned the sound. So would you hear like a rumble of an engine? Like you're actually hearing real well, world sounds. It's the Doppler radar, so mm-hmm. there's a signal that goes out and it bounces back. So oh, I move, see. So the faster you move or whatever, the signal was either. Oh, shorter, interesting. Or I don't remember now, but so a tank will always have the same sort of sound or signal compared to like a jeep or yeah, a, yeah, a person much. walking because someone's driving faster or somebody's going slow. Tank, you can hear the tank tracks. Yeah, you hear it, so you pick it up. It was pretty cool. It was a good radar system. It was experimental radar that was 
And we were the we were the guinea pigs to see how good we could we were one two how good that radar was. Yeah, and you didn't really know that at the time, right? Or did no, you know? Was, you didn't know it was not experimental. Until, like, in the action. I mean, it was, we, so this was about twenty second, twenty first of June, seventy two. We fought every night, every damn night, in different locations every night till about February third. About two hundred twenty five days, or plus a few days here and there. Yeah, for our lives, we fought for our lives. No one protected us. No one. That's why I tell people, fuck yourself. You don't know. You, you don't know what being scared is until you do what we did. Yeah. Anyway, uh. I was there to like, oh, I mean, till like the end of July. Wow. And they gave me a break. They sent me to T-Bone. Uh, I think it was along mm-hmm. the, uh, T-Bone's a little bit further uh, south down by way. I think it was along mm-hmm. the Ishuan border or something like that. And is it safer or is it? Nah, it wasn't bad, but <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, um, I get a call and I could speak. I had, by that time, I'd had, we always had counterparts. This is the counterparts. Mm-hmm. A Vietnamese that was assigned to you. To, he would work with you and show them how and stuff, whatever. So I'd use the radar, whatever have you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I had nine guys went with, with me to T Bone, and I, I, he taught me Vietnamese. I could read, write, and understand Vietnamese and speak it. And just like that, I mean, I, I had to learn anything, otherwise I'd die. So yeah. I learned, the, so I learned the language, the pronunciations, and stuff like that. And, and and one day I'm in the at T Bone. I was only there for like three weeks, and then I went back to Camp Evans. Again, wow. Again. again. Oh yeah. And uh, so I get a call one night. One day, and he goes, "Hey, Joe, yeah, Charlie, he got my, he had my radio wave, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. don't even call it." And uh, yeah, what's up, Charlie? He goes, "You tell you guys to go hide. We're gonna, we're gonna take your, your radar out." Yeah, yeah, all right, whatever. It was during the day. We didn't work in the day, so we work at night. So, hey guys, get in the bunker. They're gonna shoot at us. Get in the bunker. Hey, Joe, Joe, we get it. No, but if you do that fucking again, I'm gonna kill you. Don't you shoot at me, your man. I mean, we're talking like like you and I right now. Yeah. He goes, Okay, we need to do no more. Yeah, you better not. Cause I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna work during the day and I'm gonna kill you. Okay, Joe. <laughs> so funny. I mean, that was a hilarious action. But you know, we just talked to two human beings. I mean, but yeah. hey, we're gonna kill you. So go hide. We're gonna take out your. They won't take the radar. So they can, that's a Ho Chi Minh drill. That's wow. right down there. It's right down below. Right, us. right. Oh, we're right, right there. Uh, one night, uh, one day, I see this guy. You know what an M79 grenade launcher is? It's like a shotgun. It's about a barrel, about, about I don't know, like. Three, mm-hmm. four, I don't know, maybe three, two or three inches, something down. Yeah. Crack it open, put it around. Yeah, and yeah. I see this guy, one of our guys. I can't remember his name. Anyway, he, I, he goes, hey, I went up to him, I was walking up the hill, and there's a picture of Cam, uh, T-Bone in there, mm-hmm. in that book. And uh, he's uh, he's loaded just around. Hey, what are you doing, man? I'm going to kill the big cock down there. <laughs> I look down this little creek. There's a woman, a little boy and a little girl. The little boy and girl about, I'm just six or seven years old, maybe younger. And this woman. And I go, and he's ready to shoot. I grab him from behind and take him down, throw him on the ground, and one of my other guys uh, comes and help me. We, no, you can't kill civilians. No, 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 no. I don't care if they already come. They're civilians. You're not going to kill them. So this one, uh, I'm glad I still had my soul because when we went to battle, whenever we fought, I just I described this event to my psychiatrist. He goes, he goes, you did what? I go, I took my soul out, put it over there, and I was just a hard motherfucker, killed mm-hmm. anything, anything. And when you're out there, I'm going to kill you. And I was hoping that whenever that fight or battle was over, that kicked my soul and put it back in. And he goes, I never heard anyone describe that. That's because they've never been this fucking scared, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mm. Dr. Flam. <laughs> they're writing this stuff down. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so uh, we uh, we had actually three guys who went crazy. They, went, they were taken off the hill. They just went, they just, wow. It was so they bad. lost it. It was horrible. Um, well, right well, about the uh, end of August, I was up there during August, during my birthday, as a matter of fact, turned 19 up there on the hill. Hmm. This is T-Bone, right out the, just... I think it was west of Fubai. It's just below, but be below, uh, below way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know that we had another site uh, 
between Camp Evans and T-Bone. It's called OP56. One of my guys who I, I lives in Kansas, he'll be in San Diego, as a matter of fact, was on that hill and probably, probably just as bad as Camp Evans. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the, uh, for the month of August, they had these um, 30 wonders, the uh, National Guard. I don't know why they brought these guys. There was, a, I don't know. There was quite a few guys. I, I don't know, 20 guys, maybe more. I don't know, maybe more. I don't know. Doing the job that four of us did. Yeah. And I tell you, those four guys, we'd always stop these guys. And the counteroffensive was always going back. So yeah. uh, what we'd do is on our radar, we'd, we'd look ahead of where our counteroffensive guys were at and pick, kill the enemy at forward as we move, so that way they can move forward. So yeah. we're doing their job. We're going to kill you, kill the guys in front of you, move forward. Oh, those poor guys, those National Guards guys. I know they all shit their pants. Yeah. There's nothing to where we did, but that's okay. They got a feel of it. They were glad to leave. Get the hell out of here. Let the men do this job. <laughs> Punks, you're at 27, you're crying. Get out of here. I mean, we're, yeah. we became, oh, I, we were fucking crazy. We had yeah. to, to do you, that. You had Fuck. to be? You, yeah. yeah you, you, if you weren't before, you got to, you, you had to do the things that, oh, the most dangerous things you had to do it because that's your man. Yeah. You got their six and you're going to take care of them. So I got back to them in September. Or oh, the end of August, something like that. I, mean, I think it was three weeks in camp at uh, T-Bone. Yeah. And they sent me back up there. No, we need you up there. So they sent me to camp. I was, fuck. Again. I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in this uh, above-ground building. They had three, uh, like, small, I don't know, maybe the size of the living room, maybe a, like 15 by 20 or 10 by 20. I don't know, they were kind of small. Mm-hmm. And I had my 45 on the table. There was a little table. There. Someone, there was a little table there, wooden table, two chairs. I had the other guy on the other side. I can't, I don't know who that person was. I don't remember. And, uh, to get to our base or our camp, Camp Evans. Now, this is an abandoned base at Camp Evans. Mm. People know there used to be like 15,000 men there. Wow. The buildings and airports. Well, when I was there, all that shit was gone. It was just three little buildings. Yeah. I'm sitting there in that room towards the beginning of September sometime. And all of a sudden, this Vietnamese walks in, and he's not one of my guys. I had my 45 in my hand on the table. I'm looking at him. And if he made a wrong move, I had to kill him. So... He walks in, his uniform is clean. It doesn't say anything. Vietnamese, mm-hmm. it doesn't say his hat is clean. And he walks up to up to three steps up to the building, walks in about two steps. He goes, I'm God and you're going to be all right. Speaking English? Yep. Good English? Good English. Clear yourself. I'm God and you're going to be all right. And I'm going, okay, you make one move, you're going to be dead. And he turns around and he walks out. And as soon as he walked out, I went right after him. Where the hell are you going? And we could not find him. No, no tunnels, none of the building, no roofs. And you can see for quite a distance. So how we got away, I have no idea. So I, I believe, truly believe that that was God telling us he's going to protect us. Wow. I mean, what else can I believe? You can still see But I got really fucking like. scared because I go, oh, now it's going to happen. I was not aware of this, but sometime in about the middle of September, the South Vietnamese uh, Rangers and Marines and I don't know what the other group was, had retaken Quan Tri, which is north of us, uh, uh, maybe like, I don't know, maybe, maybe like 30 miles, something like that. They had retaken that town. I read the middle of September. I, I later on read it was about the fifteenth of September, but I'm I wasn't working that night yet. I was outside because I don't like to be low ground. Yeah, and it's dark. Oh my god! I thought for the longest time that the stars and moon didn't shine in Vietnam. It was so mm. darn dark. Every bush that was out there moved. Because <laughs> like, yeah. there's nobody guarding us. We're just sitting at the one guy at the end of the entrance that tunnel underground bunker. Yeah, yeah. Oh fuck! It was dark. It was so it was scary as shit. Oh my god! I can't. I can't. I, I can't describe it. Yeah, I'm so scared, man. But you know, you gotta do your job. You'll protect that bunker. You protect those men. You'll die. You'll die trying. Well, I was out there walking around, and again, the perimeter is pretty small. Just kind of walking within that, and I was walking towards the underground bunker, and I see these torches light up along about. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. It was maybe a mile or two. I, I'm not sure how long, how far it was, but these torches all light up. What the fuck! Nobody's supposed to be out there. Yeah. So I took my M16. I filled a few rounds of. 
Oh, they returned fire. <laughs> oh, wow. No 16s. There was something heavy, like 50 caliber, whatever they have, 51, whatever it was. Yeah. Heavy artillery, heavy uh, uh, small weapons fire. And shooting at the tower. I came and hit, hit the tower. I, I heard wow. them hitting the tower. I'm sorry. And I said, Mm-mm. no, 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 no. You're not doing this on my watch. So I, I stayed low and I went to my radar bunker. I pulled. This is where I met Mike Walker for the first time in my life. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, probably with, with me. Yanked him out of there. Give me that. Put it on. And I called artillery fire and naval fire onto that line. We stopped. What had happened is, it was a good strategy. You're flanking the people that take, as the South Vietnamese Marines and, and airborne guys and rangers were taking this village, I mean, the uh, Quan Tree. Well, they had a plan that if they took that, the NBA tanks and everything else were going to come down and flank them and, and come around and take, because nobody was guarding away. Yeah. That town was unguarded. Because all the guys were up there fighting, trying to take a village, a, a city that was already devastated. Right. So, and they're heading south, and they're going to take. They're going to kill millions of people, all the civilians. All, and they're going to kill everybody if that gone through past me. So I took over, and I called those targets in, and and no, I stopped. I stopped that. I stopped that. Wow! Them. All those tanks going. I picked them up. I stopped all that bullshit. Stopped them. And they had them all killed. I'm the one that did that. No one to say that I'm the one that did that. We stopped in the flank. Otherwise, they've got past me. Yeah. Maybe OP fifty six would have picked them up. Mm-mm. Yeah. They're not doing it on my watch. So I say those millions of people that were in the, all these yeah. refugees that ran from country and the mm-hmm. you know, the little girl that runs and you see that in the pictures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they went. They were staying in way. And matter of fact, some of my, my counterpart guys, this, this family, this they live in way because they wow. were refugees at one point. Well, I'm the one that stopped them. I saved all their lives. And you, when I was uh, when I was I, when I was in my group uh, on Saturday night, I just kept saying I killed thousands, but I saved millions. I killed thousands, but I saved. I mean, I, I killed thousands, but I saved millions. And uh, I, I actually broke down. Yeah. Again, I didn't know what the events were having up, but I just, I just happened. To, this is what happened later right. on. I found out. I read that. That's why that happened. It, wow. It took the, so, which helped me clear up some things because I recall telling myself, "How did? Why did you sit?" Oh, about a week later, they sent in two sappers uh, to Camp Evans to kill us because we saw we, we were going to pay us back. And I thought to myself, "Who? Well, how stupid! You know, I didn't know what's going on up front. Right? Why didn't you send them first to kill us? And then they could have gone by and no one would stop them. I mean, I didn't understand it. Yeah, but I understand it because they didn't know when they were. The city, the kind of the city of Quantum was going to be taken, so they right. had a plan to do that. So that's why they went first, and that wow. God they did because they would have killed all those people. Wow! How do you, that 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 particular event? Do you remember how was it? It was at night. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was dark. It probably I don't know midnight or 11, I don't know. It was dark. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember how long you were calling the coordinates? Uh, Time wise, no, but uh, it was a whole caravan. I mean, more mini tanks. Oh my god. I have a picture of some of those tanks we took out. Wow. Some behind us and where? Yeah, well, yeah. They um, they would have got past me. And, I mean, yeah. it could have been the other radar guy, but just having that. Again, I was the best that they had yeah. at that time. So I just jumped in and took over because I knew where they were at to look. I couldn't tell. Hey, look over here. I'm, no, I know where to go. Get off there. I took the, and that, I didn't even call that event, but Mike Walker, <laughs> who was in Texas, he said, yeah, you took it over and called it in. And I remember, I do remember thinking, oh, yeah, I did. I called this thing. Yeah. But I couldn't, oh, I, you know, I had been years. I had forgotten exactly what happened, but he, mm-hmm. he, he was there. So he said, "You did this and that." I go, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And then I could see myself doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, and so that event, and and uh, again, my MOS was twenty six Charlie, uh, twenty, and uh, and then some designation behind. I'm not sure what that stands for, but uh, uh, about a week later, or so after this, well, after we killed the sappers, and, and you know they're they're good guys. Those, I mean, not good guys. They're very well trained to come through mm-hmm. casino wires, e- evade uh, uh, claymores and whatever else they may have there, and trip flares, what have you. 
And, and, uh, and what and what are they're like said, sappers are like like look at the Navy SEALs where they can do all the training whatever yeah yeah I mean they can get in they, they'll get in they'll kill you in a second you never Unde- knew they were undetected they're undetected so when I think back after all that when that Vietnamese walked into our in that building and said I'm God and you're gonna be all right it, it, was, it had to be God it had to be because mm. no way with those guys would have set the crippler they set a crippler up mm. they lit up and we killed them yeah. Probably the only triple was on damn wire because I don't see any claimers out there. I, 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 and then if they would have gone 20 more yards, the, the custody of stuff, the uh, custody wire ended. They could have just walked right in. Yeah. Everything was a stroke of luck or intervention by God or a, a higher power, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. they knew who I was. And they uh, they called me in and they, they sent me back to the night for about a week to learn how to diagnose this new radar in the field. Wow. And so I... I mean, I recall walking into that building where they had all those oscilloscopes and stuff, and, and one of the guys goes, uh, uh, this is an oscilloscope. I go, I go, stop right there. Am I going to have them feel? No. Then don't fucking tell me about it. Tell me what happens when this happens. You know, When this goes wrong, what, which cable? You know, Stuff like that. Practical application that I could understand, because I mean, that I could use in the field, because I don't have, I don't have electronic equipment. I don't have that amount that means to diagnose what's wrong. That's your job. My job is to tell you what part's wrong. And yeah. I'm like, I just... I just turned 19 years old. I was a ground radar operator. I mean, repairman. Mm-hmm. They never fucking taught me that shit. But I learned that quickly because it's my life and my men's life. Yeah. Depend on. Yeah. And boy, did I find out later on how important I was. Mm. I uh, I was called into the command post and I, my colonel was there and there was a major and then the two CIA guys were there. Um, it was like a little table and they kind of surrounded me a little bit. And they gave me this piece, piece of paper and they go, here you go, sign this. And it said something. Like to the back, the, in the event of your death, or the event that you're killed on the field, your parents be notified you were never in the field, you were in the rear in the Nang, and it was an accident, you died that way. <laughs> I looked at him, I go, I'm not signing this, that's not right. He goes, this is, you know, the colonel goes, oh, I'll tell you, I have to stand up for a second. Well, not one. The colonel goes, son, you're going up there. And I go, stop right there, sir. I don't mind going up there because I'm, I wouldn't, matter of fact, I wouldn't send nobody else but me up there because I'm the best you got, and you know it. And they all smile. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough son of a bitch, man. Fuck it, I'll take that job. I don't mind going up there. I, don't, I mean, remember, I started. I wanted to kill these guys because I killed my uncle, my family. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go up there. Yeah. Even Fuck. then, even after being in danger, you you wanted to. Again, keep I was the going. best that they had, and they knew it, and I took that job. I did the job of a warrant officer. Mm-hmm. The warrant officers were in charge. They knew that when the other fights, I had six radar sites. And, uh, well, they didn't have six warrant officers, apparently, or, or they was too fucking deadly for them. I don't know, whatever it was. So I did the job of a warrant officer, and I was only an E3 at that time. Hmm. Um, PFC, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, I was a bad son of a bitch. I was awesome. I was more, that's what I tell people. Fuck you. I'm the baddest motherfucker in the world. You stay with me because I'll kill you. And because I can't fight anyone to play fight. If I'm going to fight, I'm going to kill mm. you. Yeah. And that's, that's unfortunate. But that's, uh, so anyway, the, uh, yeah, officers and the CIA guys are smiling, they're smiling. I'll go, well, I don't know what I'm saying. Well, I'll sign it for you. Oh, fuck it. I, I signed it. I signed that document and uh, because that way, you know, whatever. And then I threw it on the table. I just tossed it down. They go, you're not going to need that. And they go, well, uh, wait, hold on. No, no, no. You're not going to need that. You understand me? I'm not going to die up there. <laughs> Tough little son of a bitch, little skinny, 145 pounds, telling these officers, I, you're, they're not going to kill me. They can't kill me. Oh God! I'm gonna ask. Well, I mean, it had to be. It had to be tough as nails. Had or, to. But weren't you? Um, was there any part of you afraid to talk to them? Like, are they your? Uh, they're my uh, supervisors. My, yeah, my you, superiors. Yeah, no fuck no. They're gonna send me to hell. I'm gonna tell them where to go. <laughs> no, I, I, no, yeah. I wasn't afraid of them. No, no, mm. I was. I was just. 
I'm mean, Latino, man. I just my mind. <laughs> I still do. That's, that gets me in trouble. It, but, it sounds like they admired you, though. I mean, oh, even they, they, they said, were... we got the right guy. They knew they had the right guy. They said, this motherfucker is not, he'll fight forever until, until to save everybody. They had me, the, they picked me right. Well, they, I just, they were I just, right. I just killed all these people, man, that, um, that were going to take mm-hmm. away. And I took out many tanks. And, oh, yeah, they were right, of course. But, I mean, I, I had to prove that. But Yeah. And uh, so they, uh, the colonel goes, son, you know, I don't remember exactly now. I said, your security clearance Clearance has been elevated, so now I had top secret clearance. Wow! And then he goes, um, something in effect like, "I am authorizing you to use any and all deadly force against any and all personnel to protect that radar. You protect that, protect that mm. radar with your life, because that's an experiment." And he tell me this part, but what it was is because that was an experimental radar that was being tested in the field and owned by the, funded by the CIA to sell to the military, oh, yeah. so that they could all buy these things. Okay, so that's kind of how that worked. Now I didn't know at the time. Later on, I, I met some uh, guys at other, these other reunions, and a uh, guy who trained all these more officers, and he said, oh, those guys were all CIA. I'm going, I know I was one. No. <laughs> I said either, but anyway, uh, so, all right, so I, tell, I said that to the colonel, and he goes, he tells, he tells me that I can use any and all deadly force again, you know, so. And I'm yeah. gonna, he goes, do you understand my words, son? And I look at him and go, I'm thinking to myself, fuck, I can kill Americans too? Fuck. Is it? Uh, I looked at him and go, yes, sir, I understand your words. He goes, very good. And so he goes, uh, son? I go, yes, sir. Says, um, trust no one. Okay, sir. I started walking. No, no. Grabs my arm. Goes, no, son. Trust no one. As he points his finger in my chest. Trust no one. And now I'm getting scared. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? What the fuck do you mean? Trust <laughs> no one. Not even my guys. No, can't trust no one. I'm looking at them. How about you guys? <laughs> trust you guys? What are you sending to me? Oh, and uh, so. <laughs> oh, it was, so that that was kind of. I mean, I was, I was authorized to kill Americans. Yeah. Without prejudice. I recall you saying something to me before that the uh, radar it was so valuable. Oh yeah, uh, that they said you know if it, if you see if you know if you're if you're the last one standing, destroy the radar and uh, yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's how important well, the knowledge is as well. I, I've learned something a little, not quite like that, but you're, you're kind of pretty close. Um, yeah, I have to protect the radar at all costs, at all costs, and even against my own people. Anyway, uh, again, so anyway, uh, going back to the event when I'm in the command post, this is now about. The end of September, maybe the first of October, seventy-two. I guess somewhere around there. And they said, "Okay, they ordered me to go get my my stuff, and there's helicopters they're waiting for you." So I get in that helicopter. There's two pilots and two door gunners, and uh, they fly me north. And, and man, we kept going north, and north. And I go, "Hey, there's Camp Evans." I guess we're not stopping oh, here. No. We're going north. You're going to the DMZ. You're going north. And I go, "Oh shit!" And then you know that wasn't that scary until you get about two miles north of Camp Evans. And you see the landscape now is all peppered with craters mm. from the Air Force, uh, you know, the artillery fire, anything that we, everything we call on those guys. Yeah, and yeah. And I go, wow, you're you're in a way you're seeing the some of the craters. Oh yeah, all you, of you, you it, know, was, you, it was worse than the moon. I mean, so many craters. I mean, 30, 30 foot diameter craters. You know, yeah. foot diameter. And I'm going, uh oh, <laughs> what are you, what like are you sitting to me, man? Oh fuck, fuck it, I'll go. Fuck it. And, I, and, I, and it's like it was just. The whole, and then I see tanks in the side of the road where I took out or the wow. Navy, whatever. Most of those guys moved at night during the day. Not in the open. They're not going to do that. Yeah. So that's at night. Right. Right. And that's where we worked. The radar guys. We were. Mm-hmm. We were uh, Mac B Team One, First Regional Assistant Command. We were the baddest motherfuckers on earth. So you are, sorry, we, we were scared, but you know what? There was a one percent chance of surviving. Mm-hmm. And guess who won? We did. So no one's going to ever take that away from us. So some of those tanks you were seeing, I mean, there's a good chance that it was you that called yeah, that shot. Much, 
Yeah, they weren't going to move during the day. They came at night because you mm-hmm. can't see them. The guys are not out there to see them. Yeah, because there's a lot of out there during the day. The aircrafts are oh, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going across the sky all day. In. They were called art legs, by the way. There's three B-52s as they flew in. Mm. They were mostly shooting, uh, dropping their bombs on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Mm. Yeah, which forced yeah. them to come in in the open at night. Mm-hmm. Now, no one's out there at night, but. Our radar ties, and now we're the front line at that point. Mm-hmm. And so when some son of a bitch says, you weren't in combat, I, I'm going to kick the shit up because these motherfuckers won't give us our medals. All my boys deserve silver stars or... Oh, they, they're not good. They, oh, you weren't in combat. Fuck you. <laughs> you son of a bitch. We were, there, so we're the ones working tonight. We're the ones that stopped these guys. We're the ones that killed these people. So what are you saying? That only combat veterans Yeah, only, the, only, the only if you had a combat MOS... But oh, I mine see. Says, mine's combat. So what is that combat? It's, it's written in there. So if you're infantry, you get your medals. If you're not, they don't want to talk to you. But I'm going to change that. I'm going to mm-hmm. get my medals from my boys. I'm yeah. never going to give up. And I'm going to push for Washington, D.C. next year, and I'm going to tell my story, and we're going to get our medals. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I take nothing away from these guys in Afghanistan. And right, Iraq, right. Who, who go out and say two, three guys, and then bring them in to get the Medal of Honor. If that's the case, then we all deserve our Medal of Honors. We killed everybody, and we saved millions of people. Yeah. Getting back to flying north, helicopter. we're going towards Quan Tree, and there's that little village that was just demolished. And mm. I have a picture of it. There's just rubble, but they had built a, a radar bunker on top of a foundation of a Catholic church. And the steeplechase was kind of kind of still standing. That's where the radar tower was out. And then about 100 yards uh, towards the ocean, I guess, east. Uh, there was a two-story building, and on top of that was a, uh, like a rebar. So that way you could align that with the rebar, and then that coordinate, that's the azimuth, and then coordinate everything else so that when you call a target, the Navy knew where they're at, so mm-hmm. all that stuff like that. It was, I didn't know about any of that stuff. I didn't do trade <laughs> that time. I mean, I mean the mathematics, I learned, learned you know, taught physics and math and the calculus, so I knew all about that stuff, but mm-hmm. at that time I didn't know that. Um, so anyway, uh, we're going north and, and uh, these pilots would skim down and, and make the Vietnamese that are in the rice fields get in the water. Because if you keep them down, pretty likely they won't have an RPG. Right, rocket yeah. Rocket grenade shot in Under, the sky. Yeah, because we, well, we lost a team like that. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're nearing Quantry or Kai Lang actually. And the pilot, uh, I think it was the pilot on, on, the, on, the, on the left side. His little son says, uh, there's going to be a... A jeep or a truck for you, waiting for you. you, you we're just going to barely touch down, and you go for You run to it, towards that. You understand me, son? Yes, sir. He goes, and then he goes, son. And I'm only 19. I can I even shave. I mean, I'm still just a little baby, man. Fuck. He goes, son, you take care of yourself. You, you be safe out there. He goes, yes, sir. And he's, I mean, I can see them going, oh, fuck this kid. This, yeah. We're going to drop this kid off in the middle of hell. You know, fuck. Uh, the door gunners and stuff. And so as we come in, uh, the NBA had a, have a bad habit of shooting rockets and, and heavy artillery to try to take the helicopter out of the yeah, sky. Yeah. So we're under artillery fire as we're coming in. We round shooting off the side, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they everybody touched ground and got my bag and I ran. And I mean, there was a barrage of artillery coming in. Thank God they're too long or way short. Yeah. Uh, or, I, or maybe just my garden angel said, nope, you can't kill me right now. <sighs> so I did, I, had to, I did that run through artillery like that four or five times, four and backwards. Wow. I don't know how I didn't get killed. I swear to God, I don't know. How. Or uh, were you were you ever hit? I've been knocked down. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll take. I'll get to that point. Um, anyway, yeah. So I, you know, we we teach such as ground. And I, I jump out and run towards this jeep that's I don't know, hundred yards away. Something around motors. I don't know. They were all hitting everywhere. They're trying, to, but the bird, the helicopter, by the bank left away from us. Where I was running, the rounds were following mm-hmm. him. Thank God. But and they made it every time. Thank God. Um, so I run, I have a picture, I run, I get in the Jeep, we go to the where our new radar station's at. 
and and uh, I have a picture where John put off of myself. At that point, I met George Wong. He's going to be down from Frisco at this this uh, and he can tell you at the, this reunion in April. And then John put us come in from Kansas and John Aguilar from up north. And Billy was with us when we first got there. He won't leave Oklahoma. He stays in his house. Wow. He, won't, he won't leave. He's so scared. He goes camping. It's the worst. And he was but, there with you, right? Oh yeah, he's with us. Yeah, they were there when I got there. They had just oh, got there. And then I had a picture where we, we were hoisting up the radar boxes mm-hmm. and sending it all up. And then I'm the one that did all this stuff. And then I lined it up, did other things. So, and set the radar and we got it on. I, I did all that stuff. I couldn't do it now, of course. I, I mean, I, it's been a long time. Yeah. But I set it all up and, and we started working that night. Um, there was a Marine command post on the western edge of Highland. And it's about, I don't know, half a mile or so away from where we were at. And we're all sitting up at the front of the, this devastated village. There's a river up ahead. I think it was the Gouyat River, I think, uh, and that tree line. I'm surprised because everything was kind of denuded, but the trees along the river because the water probably, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that was probably the first week in October, somewhere around there. I never left that side. I stayed there. I mean, I came for the rear for a couple times, but I stayed yeah. there till the end of till February. I stayed there for about four and a half months. Well, all the other guys were transferring out to the sites to give them a break. I couldn't leave because that's my radar. I'm in charge. And I tell people what to do, and I gave orders. Mm-hmm. And we had a guy, an E4, uh, as an acting sergeant. But he was there. To, he was a token sergeant, you know. I know when yeah. I gave orders. I gave, I'm, just do this, do that. Anyway, uh, yeah, I was around. Yeah, I'd like say we, we all October we we worked hard every night. Yeah, took out tanks this way and there, and up along down. And you're actually in North Vietnam. No, no, no we're, we're right below DMZ. Oh, below the DMZ. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I see. I'll tell you about the north part later on. Yeah, and we're like below. And uh, I can tell you now because I looked on our calendar. In 1972, uh, Thanksgiving was on no- November 24th. Mm. In 1972, November 22nd, my garden angel worked hard again. We were going to fight and get some food. And so the guys went down south to uh, Fubai, I think, south of the way to uh, get some food and stuff like that. Uh, well, we were going to get food on Thanksgiving Day and then cook it. So, mm-hmm. two days before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I, our bunker had a wall that was, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, three, four feet thick. Wow. Right in front of the opening so that we around couldn't come into the opening and whoever was there. Kind of deflect them or whatever. Yeah. And I'm standing on the, uh, as uh, I can't describe it, but if you look at the bunker itself, I'm on the left-hand side of that mm-hmm. wall. And on the right-hand side, there's a crater that was there. It was all sand and where we go take a leak or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm at the end of this wall on the left hand side, and I'm burning off this uh, old refrigerator, uh, shelving, you know, running rubber off. So I'm making a grate and I'm making a little barbecue pit so mm-hmm. I can cook our cook our food, you know. And I had to take a leak, and I man, I had to take it. And the guys were in the bunker. This is about ten o'clock in the morning. I had to take it. And I was like, I'm gonna pee. Now, had I walked in front of that bunker, I wouldn't be here today. I mean, the wall. But I walked between the wall and the bunker. Mm-hmm. As I'm walking to go take a leak, and I had to take a bad. My my interpreter's in there. My counterpart, uh, I call him. His name was Tiger. That's what he called him. <laughs> and he goes, "Martini, Martini, what, Tiger? Come inside, sit down." I go, "Tiger, just gonna take me right back." Martini, come inside. Fuck, I'm gonna sit down right where I was gonna be. Boom, round hits. I'd have been dead. Wow. Peppered the whole wall. He saved my life. Wow. But I got pissed. You motherfuckers! You tried to kill me. Went out there. I'm gonna get you tomorrow. So tomorrow, on Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving, I turned my radar on. And I scanned and I scanned them. Picked them up. They're pulling out an artillery piece out of a cave on the mountains up there mm. and taking three shots at us and coming back, putting it in so they wouldn't know. But I found them. 
And I push that little button on my rear end. And it goes, oh, it's a cave right there. Oh, you're dead, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Sorry about the language, but you motherfuckers all pissed. Oh, pissed. I'm going to kill you guys tomorrow. So I gave the coordinates to the Navy. Hey, when I tell you, fire perfect, let it all go. Yes, sir. I didn't know what it was. So, yeah. Thanksgiving Day, about 10, 45, 10, 30, I don't know what it was. They pulled that artillery piece off, and they died. I killed them. Wow. And I killed them because they're trying to kill me. I told my mom I'd come home. You can't kill me. Mm-hmm. I was pissed. But I killed somebody, on, you know, a lot of people. But those guys, they never shot me again. They either buried in that cave or they, we killed them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they never shot at me again, I'll tell you that. Wow. Or or even the Marines, for that matter. Because yeah. they take a two or three shots every day and either try to take out the, take out the 175s. They were, I'll show you a picture of those if you don't know what those are. They're like tanks with a big barrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. Or, or they shoot at the uh, the command post where the Marines are at. Again, mm-hmm. there was about, I think, about eight Marines up there. And the most of them were officers, and I think they had two gunnies, maybe three. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and there was just four of us. No officers, yeah. no officers on my side. No warrants. Too dangerous. Too dangerous for them. Wow. Uh, so that's okay. I, whatever. Or they didn't have the warrants. I think, well, they lost one. So maybe because in the, we lost a bird, shot the sky, and so probably one warrants wow. jump. Uh, four guys. I wish I knew who they were. I'd honor them. I don't, I don't know who they are. Maybe I can find out someday. But yeah. Well. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, you know, there's only four of you guys, a few of you guys up there. I wonder, were they trying to minimize the cost? Like, say say no, it goes no, wrong? No, nothing like that. No. No, that was their team. Do you remember? Mac V only has the members. Four or five member teams. Oh, I that's see. It. Okay. That's it. That's our team. That's your team. Wherever you at, doing bad stuff, whatever, that's our team. So we had, and then, of course, after like, on that side, about 30, 30 to 40 days, they would rotate those guys to another site and bring mm-hmm. the new guys in. And uh, so, but did Andrew go? No, Andrew got to stay there because Andrew, that's wow. his radar. So I stayed there. I stayed there for a little, a little over four months, maybe four and a half months. Straight. Straight, yeah. Well, no. I, got to, I got to come in on December 18th. Um, of 72? Yeah. To go, I went back to... Well, yeah, they, they, well, let me get back to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day, I killed those guys. So now we're going to drive down to uh, Fubai and get some food and come back. I think it was Joe Garcia. Oh, he was up there with us. Yeah, Joe Garcia, myself, a guy named JR, and... Uh, oh, Bill, probably Billy. I don't remember exactly. It was four of us. And uh we drive up there it's oh, actually myself joe's driving and i'm, I'm driving the jeep and i'm a passenger side and then we have i don't know maybe george i mean no yeah i mean i don't know i, don't, I can't remember who that guy and mm-hmm. then we had in Vietnamese and was we went down about from hiding is about 60 miles down to Fubai, i guess something like wow. that. wow yeah. in a, no man's land but people shouldn't be out there except mm-hmm. there was a village between there them and uh closer to Fubai way yeah but that nobody should be out there otherwise you're gonna die mm-hmm. so you shouldn't be out there so we this is now again about Noonish, one o'clock, and it was getting dark around five o'clock that time. I mm-hmm. guess it's it you know, November. Yeah, yeah. And so we're coming back up the road, and we, we're getting into the about twenty miles out of Highland Country area. And this Vietnamese is crossing the road. It's a two. It's a two lane road, one in each direction. It's a highway, Highway One. And um, so we're only we're doing 60, the needle. The needle on that jeep says sixty, but we were going faster. Good try, and that needle's bending. We're, we're truly getting, <laughs> the faster we go. Chances are we'll, we'll survive. Yeah. And this guy, oh, stupid ass motherfucker, he's crossing the road and we're going, beep, beep, get the fuck out of here. And he started going back and forth, like, zip, like just get off the fucking road. Boom, we hit him. The mirror catches his wrist. He flips around and the, the driver's side hits him. And he's, he's throwing up in the air. I mean, he's, he flipped. And the Jeep goes on two wheels. And we're going to wow. We're going to die. We're going to die right there. We're doing 60 miles. We're going to die. And I'm sitting there going, fuck, what do I do? Shit, if I jump, I'm going to probably break my neck. Oh, fuck it, I got, I got I'm not going to be on this fuck. So I spot ready to jump. And the Jeep goes back on four wheels. 
And I look over, and my buddy Joe is saying that with one hand on the wheel. He's being dragged along at 40, 50 miles an hour, whatever it was. I reach over there, pull the brakes on, stop the Jeep. Oh, fuck. We should have died. Wow, now, was... now it gets worse. Now it fucking gets worse. Well, there's a bunch of Vietnamese soldiers, and uh, we hit one of their guys. Yeah. Uh, they were probably going to kill us, so... Hey, hey, come here. Take this food. So we give all our food away. Put this guy in. And uh, Joe and I, outside the road, next to the Viet Cong village. About, uh, wow. I don't know, maybe 100 yards away. And I go, oh, fuck. <laughs> Joe, fuck. Joe, you tell me. I'll tell you what to do. He goes, okay. And he, he, he's, he, well, he's, we're scared. We're in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. We're just two of us. But we have ammo, but we don't have that much ammo. Yeah. And the bridge now is being closed. And, and, and we go, hey, oh, where are you guys going? The Vietnamese are going home. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. The soldiers. No, no, no. Stay. No, they're going. Bye. So now we have no one watching us. We're not protected. And the Jeep's gone. You take this guy back to food by so he can uh, get his medical assistance, whatever have you. Yeah. And uh, I said, Joe, it's starting to get dark. Fuck. I said, yeah. Joe, Joe, they know where we're at. As soon as it gets dark, we're going to low crawl across the road, low crawl down to the river and flow down the ocean. And we'll, send, we'll, we'll take our chances there. Because, fuck, I'm not going to stay here. They know where we're at. We yeah. cannot stay here. He goes, hey, Andrew, it's starting to get dark. Fuck, we're about ready to go across the road and see some headlights coming. Fuck. And they were low, low being the cannon too. Like, mm-hmm. they said, this guy be our guys. No one's going to be that fucking crazy. Right, right. Like, like that through no man's land. And yeah, it was our two guys. No kidding. Oh, our guy and then Vietnamese. Yeah, not coming apart. We get in there, we drive into Highland. Well, what was he doing? Were they looking for you? Or they just. Well, they kind of knew where we were at. I mean, our oh. guys knew where we were at because they dropped us. We left their lips there, so. Right. But we got out of that bunk any darker than that. And then being calm, come on, they're going to kill us. I said, Joe, you do, you do what I tell you. Yes, you're, the, you're in charge. So I, and I took charge. Um, we got back in the island. Of course, we didn't cook anything because we gave food away. Mm-hmm. Here we go, sea rats and dog and who knows, monkey. Who knows what the hell they're giving us? <laughs> Fuck, we never got Thanksgiving, but when I killed people on that day, wow. they try to kill me. Do you uh, when but, when Thanksgiving comes around every year? Yeah, it bothers me. Yeah, do yeah you, actually, two days before that. I think back. Oh fuck! They almost killed me that day. Yeah, yeah. Every time yeah, it rolls around, day. and then of course the events just, just come, you know, come back into my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't recall too much between then and uh, December eighteenth. I guess. I mean, we did. We worked during night. I mean, oh, I do have. I do remember one guy. They had a lieutenant, Asian-looking, uh, maybe he's Japanese. I don't know, something yeah. like that. And they flew him out there. Or he flew out there because this is what pisses me off. He flew out there for one night so he could say he was in combat so he can get a CIB. Which is supposed to be thirty days, and you have to be in combat for one day. But anyway, he thought he was a smart motherfucker because we have our radar bunker, and this guy, you know, how you see Navy ships, you have those those middle doors, yeah. you have a latch, and then you, sometimes you have a smaller latch. Well, that's kind of what our bunker was, our radar bunker mm-hmm. was like. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm watching, you know, I'm doing stuff, and I'm waiting my guy, and I see that latch start to open up a little bit slowly. Mm-hmm. Now I'm authorized to kill people. Yeah, I put my phone. I get under there. And we have the red light in, in the room itself in the little box. Oh, no kidding. It's a red light in there? Well, it's, 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 that's what we saw. We can see the screen at night. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a bright light. Wow, yeah. And so it's up. And it's all boxes like a, I don't know, eight by eight or something. I mean, no, it's half the size of this room. Yeah. From there to here. And they've got equipment into about here. So it's not very big. Yeah. And I see the last window about two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock. I don't know what it was. So I got to assume it's the enemy. Mm-hmm. There's nobody watching us there. It's just us. And maybe you can walk in. And I, I'll get that later. I think I'm getting underneath the, the tower. I mean, uh, the, the the board, the board. And I have my 45 out. And I'm, I'm right there. I'm going to have it right at his. Right, as soon as you open the door, I'm going to kill, kill that person. I'm authorized to do that. Mm-hmm. And he, opened that per- he opened that door quickly. I put my 45 in his forehead. And he goes, American, American. But you look Asian. I could have killed him. You came this close to dying. 
And I push that door open. And I shoot his ass out. He's like, oh, I'm going to say, fuck you, you motherfucker. You almost died. You son. He peed his pants. Go get your CIB now, you mother. <laughs> oh, I mean, what's he, got, he doing showing up at he was 2 trying in the to morning? See where he's sleeping or whatever. Who knows? That fucking idiot. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry about the language, but. No, shit. no, it's okay. I mean, I almost killed that guy, and I was authorized to do that. Yeah. Don't do that, you dumbass. You should have known better. Anyway, he flies scared back the next day, or drove back. I don't know what the hell but he had his pants were wet, boy. Uh, you should have died. I should have killed him. You never do that again. I didn't want to kill people unnecessarily, of course. <laughs> Thanksgiving, that incident on Thanksgiving Day. I, I don't recall where I was at exactly, but uh, I'll just start there. My uh, One of my guys and I got left behind, and they went to, they took the injured soldier, Arvind soldier, to Afubai uh, for medical help. And uh, Joe and my friend Joe Garcia and myself were left behind on Highway 1, and this, we stayed in this crater that was there. And there was a Viet Cong behind us. Uh, I, I told Joe that when, if it gets dark, they're going to look crawl across Mm-hmm. the road and that little crawl to the river which is maybe like I don't know 30 yards away from us I'm not sure wow. exactly and just let the current takes down the ocean and we'll just wait it out and see what happens I had no real plan but I know I didn't want to be there because they knew where we were at uh, fortunately we got uh, the, the, the jeep was coming down with low headlights and it was getting dark probably close to 6 o'clock whatever and we got picked up went into our our base at camp at Highland mm-hmm. and that was my Thanksgiving day and we had gave our food away so we ate sea rats, and I think I ate dog and something else. And that was the whole reason to be out there, right? The food? Yeah, we wanted to go get the food. That was the whole reason, and, and <laughs> we had to give it away because we knew I'd get killed. There was too many of them. Mm-hmm. I think we'd put up a good fight, but that was not the intent. So, yeah, uh, yeah we ate with our Vietnamese counterparts, and they were looking forward to the food we were bringing in, but uh, yeah, that's the way it was. So the sea rats, they did in 1943. They're still good. We cooked it up with whatever meat they had. Of course, it had to be dog because they didn't have any of the meat. Wow. Uh, so we eat that. That's okay because when you um, when you uh, use the facilities out in the field, you have to. You can't smell like an American. You have to smell like mm-hmm. uh, your, you know your pieces have to smell like um, more like the Vietnamese. Wow, that's interesting. I can tell. So I'm sorry. Let me turn it off. I'm sorry. Yeah, sure, no problem. <clears throat> I guess uh, shortly after that we get into uh, December, and that's. Uh, we're, I mean, we have we had that three counter we three offensive uh, the Easter offensive, the Christmas campaign, and the land grab seventy three. And I guess they were defined by certain dates. But for us at Hainan, it was all the same. It never stopped. I mean, we had we fought all we fought all, all the time. Mm. There was no break between those. Even though someone said, "Oh, this this particular offensive ended on this day," that was not the case for us. Uh, it was taking out tanks and uh, over on the other side of the um, Kobiat River. Uh, over the other side of the uh, country and stuff in Dong Hao. I recall sometime around, uh, I don't know exactly, sometime around uh, December 18th or so, we uh, got picked up and we got we went back into the, we went back to Da Nang, I guess one from each side, we had six radar sites. So they picked me up, they flew me into uh, Fubai, and I recall one of the pilots saying, go in and get, we got 15 minutes, go and get some hot food. And that was a blessing in itself, but uh, I went up there, <laughs> I went up there and there was a, a, a cafeteria type mess hall, whatever you want to call it. And there's a line to get in. I go, move out of the way, guys. And I go, who the hell are you? I go, get out of the way. Went in and talked to the sergeant who was signing people in. I go, I'm going to get some food. I'm going to be here for a few minutes. I got to go in. 
He said, leave your weapon here. I go, no. The weapon stays with me. The weapon's cleared. Move the goddamn line. Move in. Push everybody out of the way. Drank my milk. Got some food. Sat down, eat some chicken. And here comes my helicopter to come pick me up. Wow. So I got to eat briefly and fast. Headed back out. And I keep hearing, who are you? Who are you? See ya, boys. <laughs> I can't tell you. I'd kill you. No, wow. I probably didn't say that. Um, anyways, I got in the helicopter and found out that they'd come back because uh, as they took off to go get to a couple guys from uh, OP-56 OP and T-Bone, um, the, uh, they had taken a round in and the, one of the, the co-pilot got shot in the leg. So they actually came back to, I guess, leave them there for medical attention. I got in with them and we went and picked up the other guys. We headed down back to Da Nang. That was my, the way I, that's how I came back for one night. We went to the Da Nang Hotel. Uh, we were dropped off there, each one, all six of us. Kind of interesting night. Uh, they had this, uh, I don't know sure if it was, Miss America, Miss USA, or somebody up there, some American round-eyed beauty up there singing. We were inside this kind of a auditorium type, and all their other people there, the other soldiers and stuff, they had their little dress uniforms and stuff. And here we come, six rugged guys in our fatigues and our boonie hats and our 45s. We left our M16s. We checked those down. Um, I had my knife, of course. We sat in about the middle of the, the auditorium. And we asked, we were drinking hard liquor. I mean, we just came out of the field. But not, I've been out there for a long, long time. I didn't really drink, but that night I sure did. Uh, probably tequila, who knows? Maybe beer, I don't know what it was. I forget. But we were pretty loud anyway. And no one said a goddamn thing to us because we were MACV. We were the baddest <laughs> mofos in the world. And no one said a damn thing. They all sat there and they looked for it. And they were E7s, E8s, who knows? Officers were, they just kept their little mouth shut and kept walking, listening, trying to listen, trying to, listen to Miss America or whoever she was singing. I guess we were pretty loud because um, I guess she, uh, she started crying. <laughs> <laughs> we started laughing our heads off. We're, we're sorry, man. We're so sorry. We're, we just came out of the field. Been out there. I've been out there for like, I don't know how wow. long, a long damn time. And uh, and, and uh, so we got up and we we said we're sorry and we walked out. And I'm sure they were very relieved that the MACV boys just left because we were some crazy bastards. And uh, we went out to the gate. We were going to go out and um, uh, secure some women for the night. And as we got to the gate, the, the BMPs go, hey, where's your pass? We showed in our patch, MACV. Yes, sir. You guys can go anywhere you want to. Damn right. So we went out that gate. Uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but nonetheless, we went around the corner and found a cat house or whatever we call those things. <laughs> and uh, we had six of us. So one guy watched the door and the other guy is inside taking care of business. When I was in there, I had my 45 underneath the pillow. I told her, you fucking try to kill me. I'll kill you right. I'll blow your fucking head off. I'm sure she relaxed after that. <laughs> she was a little <laughs> tough. You go ahead and take what you want to. Well, I, I, you know, she goes, uh, anyway, I took care of my business. And I, I went out and another guy came in and took care of business. So we watched, we took our, we watched our sixes, if that's what you want to call it. Went mm-hmm. back to the hotel. And I guess we need more, so we got some girls off, though. <laughs> Driving around in the mopeds, went up to the room and took care of business again. And, of course, the next day we got on a helicopter, we flew back, and that was December 18th. That was the start of the Christmas campaign. Mm. We're all going back up to Highland, and uh, the next morning or so, I'm, uh, I'm there, listening to some, some low-flying jets flying by. I go, so I go outside, and here's Ark, like the, uh, the 3B2 bombers. And they're pretty damn low. I've never seen them that low. They've always been pretty high. Yeah. And I come and uh, the gunny... The Marine gunny came in from uh, the other side of the village. He said, get in the bunker, get in the bunker. You know, there's, uh, the uh, NVA offensive was coming in, and they were about just a couple miles away. They were, they were getting pretty close. So the, 52s had, the B-52s had to fly a little lower to hit them and not wow. hit us. So it was one of the – I've been in earthquakes before in California, and there have been some pretty heavy ones. Nothing compared to those B-52 bombs hitting that ground. Wow. It was rattling and shaking. Uh, I recall we were – while that was going on, we had been listening to this uh, radio station up in Hanoi, and the lady who was on the, I don't know who she was, but the lady who was announcing 
uh, I'll get back to this in a second, but announcing, uh, playing the music stuff, they also announced our names because earlier in the month, um, maybe first few, maybe the weekend, so it'll be in December, that we had a, uh, a so-called Times magazine or Times whatever come in and interview us. And we weren't notified he was going to come on the site for first of all, so that makes wow. me suspicious. And also he had no, he had some press type of paper, you know, a badge or some type, but nothing else, no name. And I recall when he was interviewing me, I'd say, yes, sir, no, sir. And he goes, don't, uh, you don't have to say, I go, the military didn't teach me that I'm from Texas. I always say, yes, sir, no, sir. <laughs> and so as he was talking to me, I didn't answer. So anyway, he didn't my name. That was about it. And when he was, uh, came in, the sergeant came in, the acting sergeant came in to be interviewed. He asked him if he could see our radar. And I was there and I said, no, I can't let you see that. And my sergeant mm-hmm. said, well, you can't. I go, I put my 44 out. No, you can't. You have to leave now. So I chased him away. Kind of find out. Probably assume, assume this, but I can't be sure. Probably was a f- Russian spy or was Russian whatever. It was, he didn't have no identification. And he shouldn't have been there without us being notified. So uh, he walked wow. to our, drove into our side and didn't notify us. No, 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 you can't do that. And that's how they had our names uh, the next day or so when um, wow. when the when the ca- Christmas campaign started. Or they call it linebacker, too. It depends. Mm-hmm. It was, they weren't just bombing Hanoi. The, the our allies were our American the B-3s were also bombing the offensive these guys were pushing they were coming in on, on top of us yeah. and, and I could hear the protesters back in, in uh, America going stop the bombing in, in Hanoi and we're saying no, no don't stop the bombing please don't stop the bombing no no they're too close please don't stop the bombing they're right here in our doorstep and it wasn't nothing to do with Hanoi it was, uh, they were right there uh, trying to drive us back back and pass you know back to way or whatever I don't know they're just trying to kill us I guess yeah um and so it was like that every night. I mean, I worked, I worked most of the nights. Matter of fact, one of my guys, John Aguilar, was with me at that time. He, uh, he was telling me today, he said, man, you worked all the time. And, and I let them work the, the six to 12 minute shift because I want to be up at night taking care of business. I could do that job. And mm-hmm. I, t- I, I probably worked every night, almost every night. Wow. I let some of the guys work once in a while, but I, I want to make sure I, I, I didn't trust anybody else to do the job I had to do. So I did it. Um, took care of my business. Um, one night, um, one day during the uh, after the eighteenth, maybe. Oh, let me get to it. On Christmas Eve, we knew there was going to be a uh, supposed free six bar on Christmas Day, and my my friend John Aguilar and myself was in the top of the radar bunker, our M16s and my and my forty five in, in the bunker because hey, we're going to have six bar in a couple of hours or an hour or an hour and a half or so. So I had my survival knife with me and we're sitting on top of the bunker. The bunker's prop with all the sandbags and stuff protecting the conix box, probably maybe like. I don't know, 10, 12 feet up, I guess. I'm not sure. And it's around 10.30 at night, and I see a uh, Vietnamese person, not one of my guys, standing at the end of our our uh, compound at the entrance. Hmm. And uh, it was a, uh, the compound was, I could draw a picture, but the compound was, compound was probably about from near the street. Yeah. Maybe like uh, 50 yards or something like that. And I was watching him, and I told my friend John, be quiet. We're sitting pretty high, so you couldn't see us. And and I see him walking along in a direct line towards our bunker, our where we were slept, where we sleep at. And uh, then about so many feet over, he did a four, uh, an AGV and he walked across. And it looked like he was counting steps, but you know, I saw the movie Green Beret, so that kind of made reminiscent of what maybe this was this guy was doing. And then another ninety degrees coming back towards us, he happened to walk below me, and I had my knife out, and uh, he's not supposed to be there. And I jumped on it, and maybe I broke his back. I think I, I know I started to stab him. I know I stabbed him a little bit, but maybe lower back, upper buttocks. I, I don't know. No one ever taught me how to kill a man like that. And 
I, I, it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. Uh, but I, 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 no one else was out there, just John and Aguilar and myself. He jumped down right after me to pull him up from underneath, but no one was out there. And he must have screamed. I, I don't, I don't know. I never heard it. I, I was like in a bubble, like, I don't know. I, I was focused on what I was doing. And next thing I would look up, and here's the three counterparts a few feet away from me and the acting sergeant in front of us. And John was yanking this guy from underneath me. And I remember, I recall that one of the Vietnamese who, our counterparts, who hardly ever spoke at all and didn't speak English, in perfect English, said, Oh, maybe he was checking the, looking for the radar, you know, the, excuse me, the, the radio uh, line, landline. And even his two counterparts, the other two guys, Vietnamese that were with us, they looked at him like, he never spoke English. He said he didn't speak English, but he sure spoke, spoke pretty. So he, he had to be a, had to be NBA guy, somebody that was, so here was a, um, a spy in our group working with wow. himself. So anyway, um, the body, the, the man, I don't, again, I don't know if you died. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was scared. I'd never done that before. I uh, scared in the sense that I, I kept saying, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, obviously I wasn't going to get in trouble, but I recall him putting the, uh, that person in the back of the Jeep and they took him down to the Marine com uh, compound. And I said, take that guy with you. And the guy that spoke wow. English, never spoke English, never spoke at all. Take him with you. He's a, tri he's a traitor. He's a spy. Get him out of here right now or I'll kill him right here. And so they took him to, uh, he never came back. I don't know what happened to him. I, I didn't follow up on that. Uh, that was Christmas Eve. Now, I, I was raised Catholic, mm. uh, so I'm quasi-religious. I have my crucifix with me at all times. And that was a hard thing for me to stab this guy. I talked to my psychiatrist, and he said, yeah, it's, it's a real difficult thing. Oh, yeah, well, it, it really is. It's oh, it's, it's really hard. I, I don't know what else to say about mm. that. Anyway, um, the evening was kind of quiet. I, we were, I went and still worked on like, any of these guys. No, he sent somebody to kill us. The intent was to kill the radar guys. They can move at night, come in, set up, and then overrun us the next day on Christmas Day because they were never get here to the Christmas to the uh, ceasefire. Yeah, and it turned out to be the truth. They uh, <laughs> we had a uh, I read the story about uh, there was a gentleman, a Marine officer, Captain Dwight Rickman, United States Marine Corps. Yeah, uh, had just gotten the country maybe I don't know sometime earlier than before Christmas, and the the guy who uh, was actually flying the, this little spotter plane, this little Cessna, whatever have you. He was supposed to come in and fly on Christmas Day to make sure everybody on this side is staying in place and not moving around trying to finagle themselves into position. And uh, while he was going to do that, Mr. Doctor, I mean, uh, Captain Dwight Rickman said, asked if he could go in this place. And since it's a ceasefire, pretty calm, should be safe. Well, it turned out uh, Dwight Rickman uh, and his counterpart, Vietnamese counterpart, were shot down and on Christmas Day, and they were killed instantly. And... Uh, the Marines had, uh, on the other side of the base, they, they came over to me and said, hey, we lost the guy down in the plane down. Can you find him? So I, I was the best guy to look for. I looked for him all day, and I kept looking for him and looking for him. So if he was out there walking anywhere, I'd find him, and I couldn't find him. And they finally came in later on that afternoon and said, no way we found him. He said he's been, he was killed. So I, uh, I, I just stayed. I kept working all night. I don't care. If this guy's going to move, I'm going to find him. I'm going to have, I'm going to call him the target. I don't care. Uh, I don't recall it being too quiet. It was kind of quiet. But yeah, they moved around a little bit. I called them artillery, but they didn't fire. So, hmm. uh, actually, not the artillery, but the naval gunships out there. They may have. I don't recall. And the next day, of course, Christmas Day, I, it was all back to business. There was no ceasefire. Christmas night was no ceasefire. It got. It was very intense out there. Everyone positions. Uh, I don't recall exactly when, but sometime before the end of before New Year's Eve, I think. Our radar system went down, and I had, I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I, I spoke to the mm. the guys back in the Nang, and uh, I said, you know, I need this, this, and that. So they basically had to replace the boxes up in the tower. Uh, there's probably two or three boxes and cables and stuff like that. 
I, I just, it was just, I don't know, I just couldn't figure it out. And they couldn't, so they just replaced it. So we had to have um, these pilots. I'm sorry I had to do that to them, but they had to fly these parts out to us. Hmm. 90 miles from us from Highline, from the Nang there. They got to us, and they go facing intense, you know, artillery fire coming in. And they dropped off. And then we have to go out there under artillery fire by the NBA, run through this barrage of artillery, this uh, artillery coming in, grab the boxes as the pilot flew, flew off, and, and run back to this artillery. It was just, I, I don't know how we didn't get killed. I swear to God. I, I know, except, thankfully, they were a little long or, or off or whatever. I don't know how we, I don't know how we didn't get killed. But now we had to go back and bring it up, hoist it, uh, the boxes up to, up to the tower, reconnect everything. And then the crucial part is to set that alignment, uh, NASMA to the known point. And, uh, it was now, we had got to that point and now it was dark. And we had to be up. There was a, uh, a building about, I don't know, outside of our compound, maybe 50 yards away, I guess. And it's dark. It's, it's dark. It's past six. It's dark. It, it is dark. And my sergeant went up. I just started went up to the tower and says, Andrew, I go nowhere. I'll take it. I said, Andrew, myself and Joe Garcia, we had to go out of the compound at night, go through them, sneak out to this building, climb these stairs on the world outside this building. It was half, half destroyed and go on top of the roof. And there's a rebar that was there that had the points on. And from that was a known point. And then my sergeant had to find, look through the little scope and find us, set the alignment on so we everything would be coordinated the right way. Well, we couldn't use a red light because you can't really see that with a scope. Yeah. We had to have a bright flashlight on top of this fucking building. And, uh, <clears throat> get some water. Hang on. I mean, the youngest, I took charge and I said, okay, I'm going to put this flashlight on. And everybody in the world's going to see us because this freaking dark out there and there's no other lights. And here we are. Bright flashlight. Obviously, I cannot sign, shine it at my tower because then they'll see them too. Mm-hmm. And I have this light. And, um, I said, I'll count to 10, rather slowly. I stood up there so my guy could see that. And uh, I had this flashlight on, and he's trying to find this. No, one, two, three, so on to 10. And I'm holding, trying to <laughs> cover my head, and I know I'm going to get shot. I just know I'm going to get shot. Anyway, no one shot at me uh, at that point. Or maybe maybe towards the end or something like that. I don't recall exactly. I heard something going in my head. You know, I'm, maybe I thought, but who knows what it was. Maybe a bullet or two. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then there's other, my partner, okay, Joe, your turn. No, actually, JR, did you find, did you find this? No. Ah, oh, shit. Okay, Joe, you go. And Joe counted a little bit faster than I, you know. One, two, three, four, two, two. Oh, anyway, obviously, we're not going to find that. So, uh, JR, did you find it? No, I didn't find it. Go again. Ah, oh, Andrew's your turn. By that time, we're hitting bullets or something hitting the building and zipping our head. And so I know the zeroing on me. And I, I went ahead and took that shot. I mean, I went ahead and took the next turn and I went slower. And I could hear the bullets in the building from both sides. Bad guys, good guys, who knows? Some they're trying to take that light out. Oh, the only light in the whole damn world up there. Son of a bitch, they were shooting at us. And uh, I counted slow. Yeah. I thank God I didn't get shot. I, asked, I slowly asked JR, JR, did you get it? Yeah, I got it. Oh, God, thank you. I prayed to God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Because I sure as hell we should have died. Now everybody knows where we're at. And we have to go back down this building, get to the edge of the street. And I said, I sent Joe across first because figure if they see him, they might it might be too late for him, but they'll they'll know they'll see me. So I sent him across first, and and then I went across, and uh, we were, were fortunate not to get shot. Got back in our compound. I went back in the box in the radar box, and 
I was, we said everything wouldn't have and it was working. We were up that night because we would if we would not have been up that night. We probably would have been killed. All we had no run. They just kept trying to come in on us, um, and, you know, kill the, the whatever Vietnamese forces. I think it was the First Army Division. The Rangers were up there, and some the uh, Army Marines were up there. Uh, hold off, and they, you know, we couldn't alert them if we couldn't see them that something was coming their way. So a lot of men would have died. We would have probably been overrun and killed. The Marines, the, the advisor, Marines, uh, Marine advisors would have been killed. We would have been killed. So it was important for us to get back up on the air, and uh, I, I, I'm sure I worked that night. I'll make sure that they all took care of business. Mm-hmm. And I don't recall too much about um, New Year's Eve or day, but there was no ceasefire then either. Wow. Um, earlier, I, I know I skipped it, but I, before I forget, I can't remember if it was July when I was there or in September when I was at Camp Evans. But at one point, it might have been July because the monsoon season was in that area, I believe. And we had not been resupplied for food. We were out of food for three or four days. Wow. So uh, during the day, we, uh, a couple, two or three of us and an interpreter, we went down. We drove down to the next village, went into the village, and uh, the first house or hamlet that we went to, they had a little piglet. One of the guys was from, like, Louisiana or something. Oh, yeah, they knew how to cook. I, I didn't know how to cook. And so we took that pig. We shot it right there, took it, and told everybody to step back. We just took the pig. It's probably the pet. Who knows what it was? I don't know what. But anyway, we took it. And I felt bad about that. But that comes to play in something I'm going to tell you guys later. Uh, pretty soon, as a matter of fact. Um, the, uh, uh, Scott pulled in, in in January, I believe, right up, right up to Christmas and to the command post there at the, in Highland with the Marines. And I went there because I'm the main radar guy. And they told me that to, they were going to, everyone's now the, what they call the land grab 73. Since they knew that the war would be ending soon, and they would probably hold whatever land they secured, the north and the south. So they tried to get as much of the, the properties of the, the, the nation back. Um, so I was looking at that map up there, and they had all these X's on there, six sites, radar sites, and those had coordinates to them. And, and, I, and now I understand that, you know, when you're out in the field, you have to have those things so you can triangulate and do something, shoot in the right location when you set up your coordinates. But I also understand that, those sites can be captured because they have this new radar that's um, experimental and, and high, the latest high tech. Knowing that and knowing what I know now, if we were to be overrun, not only would the warrant officers or myself be killed, but everyone on the site would be killed because they have to destroy that. So the radar cannot be captured at all costs. And that means our lives were, <laughs> we were just we were just bait, you know how it is? Mm-hmm. So it was dependent upon us, upon us to uh, be... Uh, Really good and really fight for our lives and and and, and use the, this radar to the, the ultimate use and uh, what you know what a position to be in. I tell you, is um, I mean the other guys probably didn't know that, but I knew that we would have been killed. Any site to be overrun, everyone that site would be killed. Wow, there's not not just the officer or, or myself. So it was pretty uh, pretty intense. So for us, none no no offensive ever. Stopped and just started Easter offensive, and every night for like at least two hundred twenty-five wow. days, there was no break in the action. There was no take a day off here, unless you got sent back to the rear, and even then you'd be careful. Um, yeah. So right around, uh, I don't know, maybe in the middle of January or something like that. I don't know exactly. Uh, I think for a, during the day I could get out and drive down. So I, I took my uh, whatever food I had and we had in the area there, maybe a little bit past the middle of the month, and blankets and. Everything we had, all the food, all the cigarettes, and and uh, I told our tiger, I go, hey tiger, we're gonna drive down. And he said, you, 
He was mad at me. He was calling me all kinds of names. You crazy, Martini? You crazy? I don't give a shit what you say. I'm going by myself. No, I got to go with you. Okay, come on. He pissed off at me. We drove down that village past Camp Evans. I don't know the name of the village. We drove back in that village where we were taking that little pig. That I knew there was an orphanage there, a Catholic orphanage. Mm-hmm. And they had nuns there, and you know, I could see that everything that was Catholic. And uh, yes, there wouldn't be a Congo village, but they're very religious there as well. I don't care whether you think politically, you know, south, north, whatever. And they had all these little kids there. So I'd also given Tiger some uh, money. I don't know if I converted it to America, to American, to whatever the dollar is. I, I forget now, P.S. or what, what I forget. Mm-hmm. And I say, hey, those people right there, we come in, we took their pig back. And he goes, yeah, remember. So go in there. Don't let them know, know what's going on. The other people, the other villagers, and give them all this money. And it might have been about $200 in, in American money. So I don't know what it came out to be in Vietnamese money. Probably wow. quite a bit. I'm sure they could survive on that for years on the money, just the money itself. And yeah. you, tell, you tell them that I, I'm, I'm the one with you. And you, Tiger was with me too, so. Then we're the ones that came in and took that big, here's your money, we're sorry. And here, just want to make sure that we pay you back, because I'm not, I don't steal from anybody, I don't steal, so I felt bad the way to do that, but we had to survive, and I paid them back. Went in to talk, got the nuns coming out there, and I gave them all that, the food and blankets and stuff, and she was very grateful. And I kept pointing to my crucifix, you know, I said, hey, number one, okay, number one. That's my God, number one. And I covered my MAGB patch and my, and my 196 patch with both units that were very well feared there in that country. And I said, number 10 thou, okay? And they go, they kind of smile. So then we drove out of there. Tiger chewed me out. So chew everything I get, I kill you. I go, Tiger, I kill you first. Said, Fuck you, Andrew. <laughs> anyway, it's okay. Martini actually called Martini. Uh, yeah, I started laughing. I said, don't worry, we're out of there, don't we? He goes, oh, you're crazy. Yeah, I'm with MACB. What do you expect? Uh, drove back up there. Die, and we still kept fighting that night. And uh, right about before the ceasefire, um, they, 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 they cut us off. We were surrounded, basically. We couldn't, there was no escape. Um, but the road, Highway 1 was blocked south of us, and uh, we weren't going to be fighting anymore, so we, we were cut off. We we're going to be, we we're going to be overrun, and the war hadn't ended yet, so hmm. I was still up and running, but I had taken things apart, couldn't leave it there. And the peace treaty was signed, I think, on the 28th of. January, something like that. I don't recall. It set wow. midnight or what? I forget what it was. <clears throat> anyway, uh, <clears throat> the next day, uh, maybe the 29th or so, the Kennedys came in. Hey, uh, melt everything down. Uh, we're going to be, you know, we're probably going to be around. And now, uh, so I had these other weapons up uh, uh, Thompson, a uh, grease gun, uh, my M39 grenade launcher. Uh, had an M14, I think it was. Um, A1 Grand, I think it's called. And I had my M16, of course, kept that, and my 45, and my knife. So I had just finished melting that down, and because they said we're gonna be able to run the helicopters, the marine helicopters off the off the carriers off the sea, they're gonna come and pick us up, go to this LZ, and they'll, they'll fly us out. We're gonna get out of here. So okay, we, we took care of everything. We took things apart, but uh, we're ready to melt down the radar stuff. And oh, sh- the gunnies came. Hey, drive out. No, 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 no. <laughs> Pick us up in the helicopter. No, you can drive out. There's a slight break in the action. Fuck, they're going to shoot us. No, no. Pick us up in the helicopter. We're telling you right now, pick us up. Remember, Mac, take us out right now in the helicopter. Drive out. So we drove out on the 29th or 30th of January. Well, we drove through the middle of a firefight. <laughs> Don't shoot us. We're not in this fight anymore, you know. Oh, I mean, oh, my God. And they could have killed us. We had no. We couldn't even return fire. It was... I was really scared because now you think you're going home pretty soon. You don't want to die the last day of you're there that you're there. You don't want to do that. And so it was very frightful. Uh, we'd been fighting for now at that point for over 220 days every night at various sites. It was 
The only time I got to come in was when I got in. Oh, I got, I'm sorry. I, I missed, missed the spot. Somewhere around right after Christmas, I was by myself. And I should be by myself, but the other three guys took off and went to wait. I don't know, maybe to spend some time with the women or whatever. I'm not sure. It was during the day. And I was out there by the generators. Uh, and again, every day, no matter what, the, someone would be shooting at us from somewhere. And uh, I, I never heard an explosion. I never heard any of this stuff. All I saw is, is my right arm on fire. I wasn't wearing a shirt. Um, it was just a blaze. And I noticed, I, again, I never heard an explosion. I, I don't know how it happened. I, all I know is my arm was burning. Three, I got three degree, three degree burns. But anyway, I was wearing stuff. I, I, it was on fire, so I stuck in the sand, and I put this uh, the fire out. And I didn't know this because I learned quickly. When I took it out, the air hit it. Oh, my God. My hand, my arm was cooking, and it hurt so much. It hurt so fucking much. I uh, I was in pain. But I can tell you right now, I cry now when I see a movie. <laughs> but the, the kind of body, someone gets hurt, whatever. I didn't cry then either. I didn't cry. Not one bit. I sit there. And it hurt like hell. But I don't know why, but I went to the water buffalo, and let water run over it, and it kept it cool. Mm-hmm. Put my 45 out, sat there, and the water was, you know, it was hurting like hell. But it wasn't hurt so much. It didn't hurt so much when I had the water in it. Put my 45 out, and my three counterparts over there. Including Ty goes, Martini, Martini, we take you to Medbank. I said, I will not leave my post. I'm trained. I'm not going to leave my post. If you come in here, I'll kill you. I have my 45. I'll kill, I'll kill all three of you bastards. I'll kill you. Don't you fucking try taking. And so they argued with me for a while. Then I realized one of them taken off, and I was looking for it. I think he might come from behind me, and I was going to kill him. So I said, I'm not going to leave my post. I don't care at all costs. I will not leave my post. I sent Grant on me to do that. It was put to teach you in the military, basic training or whatever. I will not leave my post. I must have been a half hour, so I don't know, though. A gunnies, uh, two gunnies came in the jeep, and um, one of the gunnies came over to me, and he goes, "You done good, soldier. You done good." I go, "I'm not gonna leave my post." He says, "No, no." I said, "He said, no. You done good. We're gonna take you to medvac." I go, "Let me give you an order, McGunny. This, you guard that box right there. No one goes in there. You guard that box until you relieve him. Do you understand me, Gunny? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do it." I said, "You understand? I mean, I'm not gonna leave you." I, I was adamant, adamant that you stay. You will not leave until you get relieved by my guys. No one else. My guys relieve you only. And he goes, no, I'll stay here. I says, oh, all right. So they picked me up, put me in the Jeep, took me to the med back there that they had. They made me send a med back next to the command post. And, and uh, they lay me down. And I go, give me some effing morphine because, man, in my arm, it's it's cooking. It hurts, it hurts so bad. The whole arm was on fire. I did pretty good for saving it. Um, I have a picture of somewhere. I, my sister has it, and I can't get it from her. But uh, anyway, uh, they lay me down, and they had at that time they had these, like, like a gun that, would, like when we got our first shots in basic training, they would just have a gun that would shoot this whatever in your arm, whatever. I don't. Know. Anyway, uh, let me down. They took about six shots into my gut, my belly. All this stuff, yeah. just, and uh, you know, I go and I, <laughs> and it didn't stop the pain. I go, "You give me morphine?" He goes, "No, we don't have morphine." Oh, poor guy, the poor doctor. I grabbed him with my left hand. And I was choking the shit out of his ass. <laughs> give me some morphine. <laughs> it fucking hurts. Well, anyway, they didn't give me morphine. They gave me some antibiotics to, to come back, whatever. I, my arm was whatever, and then they they I, they took me back to my compound. My guys got back at, shortly afterwards, or something like that. Or, I don't know. Anyway, uh, the intensity of fighting was so bad that they couldn't make they couldn't medevac back me out. I couldn't drive out. I couldn't nothing. I don't know why even guys even went to take you. Mm. They couldn't medevac me out. So I was there for two days and two nights, working in complete pain. My arm was just destroyed it was oh my god it hurt it hurt so much it was it never stopped cooking it was so bad uh i didn't sleep at all of course and then uh the next day i 
there was enough break in the action. They, they drove me down to Camp Evans, and I spent that day there. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but um, as Mr. Ormsby was at that site, and one of the guys had a I never, I didn't smoke marijuana. I didn't drink beer. I didn't, you know, knew any stuff. But they gave me this little, little piece of this. I found out it was a joint, but it was so thin. I go, what the hell is this going to do? <laughs> it's so thin. Oh, it's opiated tie. So it's got opium in it. Mm. It sure did. Uh, at least I stopped paying main, you know, for a little while. And, uh, I'm not sure it was the next morning. So they drove me down to Fubai and it was still hurting. I mean, my arm was, mm. oh my God, it was hurting. So, but at least three days it was, it was, it was cooking and burning. It was, oh, so bad. Anyway, um, I even called the doctor saying, does it hurt? And I go, fuck, it hurts a lot. So he, he, he put a little bit of extra morphine in there and shot me in the right arm. He says, count from 100 backwards. Like, I think I'm about to nine six. And I forgot what the hell I was doing. <laughs> oh, what, what am I doing here? And he's like, my arm didn't hurt no more. And uh, I was thankful for that. God, it hurts so bad. My sergeant were back up. And as we're going through, uh, <laughs> as we went back through the these uh, Marine MACV guys out in there, and they were officers. And I guess... I mean, I was buzzed. I never, I didn't do drugs, so that was buzzed to create. It was really buzzed. And I was laughing. As a matter of fact, the sergeant had to hold me with his right hand as he drove the Jeep because I was trying to, I was falling out of the Jeep. I was so loose and, and, you know, I was very, I was high, I guess, what they called it. Mm, uh, and so I'm laughing. These Marine officers and they're going, <laughs> not, you know, I don't think I was, I think I was flipping them off. I don't know what the, I don't, I don't remember exactly. But they got pissed off. What's wrong with that man? Says, look at his arm. Says, got shot with morphine. He's going back out the field to continue fighting. And so they kind of let us go. But then just so get, go forward. You know, go on where you got to go. Uh, so we got back. As we're getting into High Lane on Highway 1, we're just outside the little road that goes into the city, village. I see a bunch of black smoke in the build, on one of the buildings. I go, and that kind of shook me. That kind of woke me up right away. I say, Sarge, incoming or outgoing? He goes, he looks at it, he goes, and that motherfucker guessed wrong. He goes, outgoing. Okay. We drove in. Oh, hell no. It was incoming. And that son of a bitch froze. I mean, we were driving through, and the gunny was outside their bunker in the compost, and they were going, you know, stop, don't go in, stop here, you know, like, get behind, come in. He drove right past those guys. Those rounds were right along with us, but they were about 20 yards of, you know, beyond us, so they're just missing our head, but they were around, right on, right along with us. So I'd see an explosion just 20 yards or so away, and, and you know, thank God the shaman was going opposite direction, you know, away from us. And they took about three shots at that point, and then um, we had an S-turn. Uh, uh, we had to make a left turn and, and go about 20, 30 yards. And then, again, a uh, right turn and continue on. It was a, a, a I guess it's called like an S-turn. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it was a guard, a Vietnamese guard, that, like kind of like, a, I don't know, just watching the road, I guess. I'm not sure. And he had gone in his bunker pit. It was in line with that road, that, with the first road, we drove, the road that we drove in the first time. And uh, as we turned away from that, the NVA had adjusted their the coordinates and it hit that bunker and killed that man, blew him up. Wow. Yeah. Well, it would have been us. The road didn't continue, it would have been us. And as we made that turn, the left turn and the right turn, they, they were back on top of us, but now they're about 20 or 30 yards too long because we made that turn. But the right line was, and uh, as we uh, entered in our compound, which this is about, about a half mile distance between first getting the village to our site, I guess, maybe something like that. Quite a distance, maybe maybe a quarter mile, whatever, something like that. And so they took two or three, two or three more rounds. And right as we turned into our compound, we drove the jeep into the bunker, and I uh, there was a the round had adjusted, had adjusted to the road, but they hit this. There was a, in our compound. There was this little 
have standing cement type buildings where maybe the nuns or somebody lived in mine or there weren't all all of it was not there they were pretty much devastated but anyway around him one of those buildings and uh, the debris flew towards us my sergeant had uh, grabbed his weapon and went into the radar bunker it was pretty well fortified and I, I, don't, I don't know I had my flashback, flak vest on I do not know why I even grabbed his flak vest but as I grabbed my flak vest with my right arm by the way which the one hurt I had my M16 the other one apparently Grabbed and stepped out. I only had about four feet to go between the Jeep and that wall that would protect us and our bunker. I stepped out and I got knocked the hell out. A piece of debris hit me where my legs would have been or where. But I had that flak vest. As I pulled out, I walked. I just happened to, that's where I was holding it. And I had it anywhere else. I would have lost my legs. Knocked me against the building. And I, I a little crawled into the entrance of the bunker and the, the other guys yanked me in. But yeah, they were on line with us. It would have killed us. But again, my garden angel, I made, I made her work so hard. That poor thing, she kept saying, oh, Andrew, what are you doing now? You know, But she saved me. I mean, if, overall, I think, you know, probably 12 times I should have been killed, probably. My guardian angel and my God, they, they just, they, they, they made me keep my promise to my mom that I told her. I'll be home, Mom. They're not, can't, they can't kill me there, and I'll come back in one piece alive. And they sure work hard to keep me there. Um, anyway, that was, uh, that was about, that was right after, that was right on first January 1st, somewhere around there. Yeah. And then around the uh, third week or so in January, we were going to down to food to get some food or something. I don't remember exactly. And we got down to Wade, and we were stopped. And I don't recall the conversation, really. I, I think something about our Jeep was dirty or something like that. I was just my, it was just uh, two counterparts of myself. So we are going down to get some, I think, supplies or food. I don't recall. And uh, so I'm standing there, and I got the Jeep. I don't know why we were stopped exactly. And... There was a lot of people around, not too close to me, but around. And this, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm only 18, 19 years old. So um, this, I'll just say a teenager, maybe 15, 16 years old. Uh, I, I, all I know is I saw a shadow. He was behind me. It looked like he had a, I, I found out later, it looked like he had a, he, he surprised me because I was pretty careful, but he came from behind me. And I know he touched me on the back, on the shoulder, I mean the lower back, my on my right side above the hip. Um, I don't know if it was a makeshift gun or, or I don't know what it was. It had my my weapon sling slung, but I had my it was slung, but I had I could hold it so it was the muzzle was still aiming you know, horizontal to the ground, and uh, he was on top of me and, and I, I deflected his arm and I hit his head with I hit him with the head, my butt of my weapon I, I crushed his head I hit him pretty damn hard, and then of course the Vietnamese that were around there they got pretty pissed off but he's trying to kill me I was going to die and a week before we went ceasefire. I couldn't let that happen. So anyway, I, I, I hit him pretty hard. I don't know. I just saw blood. I went to get in the car, get in the Jeep, get in the Jeep. And I'm like, so we got in. And I love kids. I do. I, I love them a lot. I would never want to hurt something like that. But now I was angry, completely angry. As we drove our north across the Perfume River towards Citadel, we make a, a left turn for us to go along Highway 1 continues. Uh, I recall going over that, that bridge and, and those kids, and they're trying to come up, you know, hey, you know, they're trying to come up to high over who knows what. I'm being so angry. I'm like, you know, stay away. I'll kill you all. Just fucking stay away, you know. I was angry that I had to kid, hit this kid and probably kill him. I don't I don't know. I didn't stay around to find out. And um, I was angry at the world at that point. Why'd you make me do this? You know, I. So anyway, I was saying, this kid, stay away, stay away, just stay away, you know, I'll kill you all. And uh, we drove back up north. Up. I guess we didn't, we didn't, never got our supplies or whatever I was going to go to. I, I don't know. Never wow. did that. So, um, again, at the uh, at the end, our uh, 28th, 29th of January, 
But yeah, we were surrounded, you know, cut off. Only access was to the beach. I already knew where I was running. If I had to run to the beach, I'd do. I don't care. Get in the water. I'll let the sharks get me. I don't care. I'm not going to get up. Pick me up there, whatever. I don't, whatever. I was standing right there. Like, I told the guys when I was talking in, in a group one day, it's kind of like water come down. You know, you go to the beach, dig in, and well, you can't go nowhere but the fucking water. So, and here they come. So, uh, fortunately, and we met a melted our weapons. Fortunately, there was, like they said, the break in the action. And we drove out after I melted these weapons I didn't want to melt. And we get into a way. And there's a Marine Mac being compound there. Um, it was upstairs, this bar. And I, I think we slept. I, I think, I'm pretty sure we slept. Probably in the bar. I have no idea where we slept. I don't remember. We got so drunk. Anyways, we walked upstairs, walked in. There's, there's a bunch of Marines in there. Here we are, Army guys coming in with us. We had these, though. I think we were the first Army Rangers, Iron Rangers like that. So we had these brown, tannish berets that we wore to kind of uh, blend in with the Vietnamese, mm. uh, that group. So... But we were attached to one. I think we were attached to the Army Rangers. And uh, so we come up there, and, and all I can remember saying that these Marine guys, know, who are you guys? There's no Army guys up there. <laughs> was the, us, we were there. You didn't know that. We were up there 60 miles north of here by ourselves with the Marines uh, advisors up there. And they could say, who are you guys? You know, they were just, what are you doing? There's no Army guys here. <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? We are. You just didn't know about it. I don't know if they were the only ones up there, but I knew they had army guys who were uh, MACB guys that were supply guys in that area. As a matter of fact, this guy named Andy Martinez, it was a Team 3, that was a supply sergeant there. And I didn't know that until later on because I I know I'd been told I was going to get a silver star and some other things, uh, other medals, whatever. But yeah. um, I started to find out when I was contacting this guy, my guys, that had some research done that there was an Andy Martinez Team 3 in Way mm-hmm. and his supply sergeant. And I thought, wait a minute, my D two fourteen is a supply sergeant. I was no fucking supply sergeant, I was a radar guy. So did he get my medal? So I started going, Did he get my medal? You shouldn't have taken him if he did. So I don't know. And but if they're giving to you and they said, No, you earned him more. What's he gonna say? He's not why I don't think I did that, but so anyway, I have a feeling that he has my medals. Mm. So I know I didn't get hardly anything. Um over the next day we then we had to drive through the coup the uh high man, I think it's called high man pass. Really dangerous. It's uh, uh, a part of the uh, land that butts out to the ocean, that road, highway when uh, goes on the outskirts of it. Uh, and uh, it's so heavily vegetated with, um, you know, it's heavily vegetated. So who knows? Maybe those some of the South Vietnamese that were there or some of the Viet uh, Cong, whatever, haven't heard that the war's over. We didn't want to do that. We didn't want to drive. So you're driving through, so we drove to the Nang, probably, whatever, 30 miles away, just whatever. And of course, it was like, oh, we're going to kill, <laughs> we're going to kill in the high band pass. Uh, fortunately, we did not get killed. And, uh, I don't recall exactly what it went after that, but we got back. Uh, the radar system was all turned back into the, and that one at the 186 or whatever, somewhere over there. And I know there was a, we were in the Denang Hotel again. Um, been there about a month and a half earlier. And, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. All I know is I was, Visiting with the uh, Filipino band that was there, they were all, it was an all women's group. I was in the room with them, and uh, my hands were all over them, and likewise with them. I mean, and I've been we've been there for about two or three days and uh, drinking, smoking pot. You know, fuck everybody else. We're mad. We were through the hell. Fuck you all. Get the hell away. We'll kill you. You know, <laughs> we're assholes and what have you. And um, I was on top of this one girl in the, in the, the door. Ta-da, knocks on. Who the hell is it? Is there an Anna Martinez in there? Yeah, we didn't want. You're going home three days. 
gotta pitch this tomorrow. Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever. So uh I started drinking a lot of water. <laughs> by the time that that was a bogus piss that I see, by the way. By the time I got to up there and the, back to the where we were where the compound was at, I took this piss test and all the guys, somebody was watching and pee. Okay, if that's what you want to do. And I came out clear. So I guess I no no drugs in my system. They didn't test you, so it was just I guess if your pee was really yellow, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. Mine was clear in this water. And I said, okay, you're good to go. Um, I think uh, we left on February 6th, I believe. We flew out. Wow. Out of Da Nang Airport. And my buddy John Putoff and I we were we reconnected because he was on the site for a while. Mm. And we have a picture of us getting off in, uh, I think it was Osaka, Japan or something. And we first... Land and then we flew from there all the way across back to Travis Air Force Base, I believe. I think it was February 6th. I think that's what our picture says. The picture says, I have those pictures in the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were, they, the uh, military had, known, uh, had learned not to have us flying to commercial air, airports because mm-hmm. all the opposition and, you know, from the hippies and shit and the idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, we got into, I got, I mean, oh, I, Jesus Christ. Well, before that, as we got in tarmac to leave the Nang, there was a song playing. And I remember, I, I wouldn't pay much attention to the lyrics, but we were starting to lift off the ground there. And uh, I'll remember, this. she's buying the stairway to heaven. And uh, that was the last part of that song. I'd never heard mm. the song before in my life. And I was going, oh, my God, that's what, what an omen, you know, because I looked down, and that was fucking hell down there, you know. We were in fucking hell. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So it was uh, an omen that we're, and then uh, I found out later on that the, uh, from an Air Force guy in the Black Ops that uh, every time a plane flew out of the Nang or over the airport, so with, with troops, that there was two uh, F 14s, F 16s, whatever, mm-hmm. just kind of monitoring in case someone tried to make sure I shoot us down or to make sure we're out, the, out of the danger zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were supposed to stop in Hawaii, we never stopped in Hawaii. So I never got to go on my RR, I never stopped in Hawaii. At Travis, Travis, Travis Air Force Base. I think we, I think all of us, have, I know I did, I know most of us did, but when we got on Ground America, so we kissed that girl. Oh, baby, we kissed, you know. And uh, two of us got into this one taxi, and they took me all the way to San Jose, um, where my uncle and aunt, they both lost a family member there, my brother. Mm. And I recall my aunt going, she hugged me. And she was starting. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> you gave me a big old hug. She said, um, Mijo, anything you want, lobster, steak, I don't care, anything you want, anything you want, Mijo, serious. I thought for a second, can I just take a bath? They were kind of startled, <laughs> like, what? I go, yeah, I want to take a bath and wash this red soil and my sins away from this, my soul. And they understood that. So I think we went to eat afterwards, but I don't call it eight. I think to me, it was more important for me to. Rinse those sins and my, that red soil away. And when I see red soil nowadays, it's still have flashbacks. Um, mm. But my sins are still there, I guess. I don't know. But um, And they they drove me back down to Ventura. And <laughs> my parents weren't home. But they left a little window in the back, and I had to pee bad, so I, I, broke, I broke into the house, actually. And I hear my mom, me, me, I saw her. I'm here, I'm alive, and I'm with these. I told you I'd win. I'm never going to lose. I always win. And that's a good good way to live, but... When you're home and you you have that same attitude, people get scared of you because mm-hmm. I'm used to winning and I have because I have to win and you know, I have to have to have to win and uh, mm-hmm. maybe that's what kept me alive. So I know that's what works for me. But apparently, you civilians <laughs> have to be 
you know, I don't know, talk a little bit nicer than the way I speak sometimes. You know, I'm mm-hmm. used to giving orders because that's what's going to work. Take care of the business now, not not tomorrow. Do it now, and it frightens people. <laughs> so uh, they, uh, I saw my family and my mom. Poor thing, she put through a party for me. Well, I've been only with two, three other guys, and so there many people around me. I'm just hyper vision. I'm just mm. looking around, going. And there's a beautiful girl. Um, uh, her name was Laura Ingalls, and I hope she may hear about this, but she she liked me a lot, and I, and I, I mean, I, I mean, I still take in touch with her, but I can't nobody touch me. I can't. I couldn't let people touch me. I couldn't let people sneak up on me. I couldn't let people get too close to me because I got, I get scared in the sense that I was going to hurt these people, and um, because. I'm not used to people being around me, non you know, civilians anyway, not necessarily military guys. Um, unfortunately, I, I found out when I turned 50, so about 25, 30 years later after I got back from Vietnam, I found out my family's been scared of me all, that, all my life. Mm-hmm. That's the way it was, and I found out, so I tried to be a better person, but it takes me a long time now to get to that point. I'm still working on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's all I have to say right now. I'll edit whenever that. I'll look at that and add some things to it. But that's yeah. about it. So that's your. That was your war. That was my war, and it's still going on every night. Mm. Yep, every night.